I supposed to be the franchise player and we in here talking about practice. I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about all right man welcome to another week this is podcast episode number five of we talking about sports man it feels good to do it five times i mean it's been good um as you already know we got Ben Diaz and we got Roland Zamora here, our main contributors. Um, and the first thing we always like to do is shoot the breeze. So, Ben, tell me about your week. Oh, uh, man, I had a had a busy week. I actually had to work this weekend. Uh, we get scheduled to work like one out of one weekend every three months or so. And it just so happened to be my weekend. So I had a week full of work. Uh, thank God that they, we had two UFC cars this week. So... That made the week fly by, you know, looking forward to the cards. Um, but, yeah, man, we're back for episode five. Happy to be back. Uh, what's up with you, Roland? What'd you get yourself into? Uh, man, I was down in the valley for a whole week. Uh, I didn't intend on being there for a week, but I had some car trouble. I ended up staying there longer than anticipated, but not complaining. Got to spend some more time with my family. Uh, got to chill by the pool a couple nights um, out of the week. So uh, definitely no complaints and staying there longer. Uh, definitely happy that we had some more fights, uh, this past couple, this past week, excuse me. And now that we're back up or now that I'm back up here in San Antonio, just, uh, looking to get back, uh, get back to normal. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, back here for episode number five and, uh, let's get to it. Yeah, man. I had a rough week this week. I ended up losing my grandma, but the good thing is I had all, a lot of family to get me through that. Uh, and I'm making my peace with it. So, you know, I mean, it is what it is. I'm happy that she went the way she went. No, no, uh, no pain in the end. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. All right. Yeah. Our condolences to to you and your family too, brother. Yeah, I appreciate Although that. You had mentioned it briefly uh, last episode, I believe, and yeah. she ended up passing. So I know it's tough. Our condolences, man. I appreciate it, guys. I, I appreciate both of y'all reaching out to me on that day too, man. Uh, as you know, we'd like to look at our YouTube comments to we'll start this thing. So we're gonna hit it up. Bet King's coming through again with us, and he said, and this was a, con a comment based on what we were talking about last week with Booger McFarlane not being re-signed to Monday Night Football. He says, Booger was so bad, hating on him started being a talking point every Monday Night Football. Going to miss bashing him, not going to miss his commentary. <laughs> what do y'all think about that comment, man? That's, that's funny. It's, it's right on. Uh, yeah, and I agree, except, you know, like I said last time, I, I listened to all of Monday Night Football on mute last season, so <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't bash him much. Yeah, we used to actually have a basketball league on Monday, so we would rarely be able to catch uh, the Monday night yeah. games. If we played, like, late games at 10 o'clock, we'd be able to catch, you know, most of it and miss the end. But this past season, we didn't have games on Monday, and it was just listen on mute, bro, and no more Booger Mobile to block fans paying thousands of dollars for their front row seats yeah. and this full sliding up and down the sideline <laughs> spinning in his what chair so i wonder what they're going to do with booger though is he going to be like a sideline reporter now or I'm locker reporter? They, they need to have him yeah like be the next like ed order or something you know just <laughs> 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 
Yeah, they need to just bring him on every every now every every so often. Yeah. And uh one segment we've been hitting on pretty much every week is where's Cam Newton gonna fall? And his response was Cam Newton gonna be a stealer by week four when Big Ben goes down again. Uh, I don't know if he's going to land in Pittsburgh, but that would be a, a good place for him in, in case that happens. And if he's saying that he wants to be a backup, that that probably be another good place. But I, I actually just heard on Sports Center before coming on that the the Chargers have officially passed on Cam Newton and that they're satisfied with their quarterback room. So an, another place. But yeah, yeah. Pittsburgh, that that might be interesting. Yeah, I saw that about the Chargers too, but I thought it was pretty clear once they drafted Herbert at number six that they were they weren't gonna have Cam Newton there, especially because I don't know if that's a guy that you want grooming Herbert and stuff. So, but yeah. as far as for the Steelers, it makes sense. I know we forgot to mention it last week. I said the Lions and the Redskins, but the Steelers makes a lot of sense, especially with Big Ben saying he's retiring. So maybe it could be. Hey, go sign a one-year deal. He goes down. You get a chance. Maybe he's the quarterback going forward for them. Like, like we said uh, on episode four, he had just turned thirty-one years old. So, um, he's young, man. And and the Steelers only got one, maybe two more years left at a Big Ben. So, that wouldn't be bad at all. Yeah, I'm just curious as far as the Chargers go. Who is their? Uh, it's Herbert, and who else in that quarterback? Uh, right now, Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Tyron. Taylor. Okay. Yeah, I guess Cam wouldn't be a fit there for sure then. All right, our next comment is coming in from Noe Trevino, uh, and he says, Great show. Appreciate the shout-out on the last podcast. He says, I don't think the NBA season is coming back this season. It's too many moving parts to control, especially with this pandemic. As to a UFC fight where you can control the amount of people to allow to roll through. And then he says, In my opinion, Dak should sign the tag, but this is money and insurance for these guys. So only they can make that decision. I personally don't think Dak is worth the $40 million that his camp wants. But if I was the Cowboys, I wouldn't want to sign him long-term either. Maybe like a four-year contract. I know they would want to sign that seven-year contract to spread out money. But personally, I wouldn't show out that contract that his camp wants. I don't think he's proven to be the big game winner. He's had his moments, but nothing significant to say. This guy is dangerous. In my opinion on the whole Monday Night Football commentary... I would personally would love to see Pat McAfee. This guy is gold and will bring the entertainment value that every network wants. Well, no, we are going to talk about that Dak um, contract talk later on, so we're not going to address that at this moment. But uh, I agree, man, that NBA season is, is going to be hard to come back. Uh, the boys have been talking about all the things that are going against it, so uh it's going to be difficult some some, po- some positives coming out today but yeah. i know us on the show i mean we were pretty we were all pretty convinced that we didn't think that it was going to come back um now some states opening up um you know could lead to it could get the ball rolling you know i mean it's it's the yeah. first step it's the first step it doesn't mean that it, it is going to happen and i know that we're going to talk about it a little later but uh, yeah, there's a ways to go, but I mean, now there's there, there's some life to it. You know, it's got legs now, now that places are opening up. Yeah. yeah d- definitely has legs. Um, I, I didn't expect to be here this week saying that after, you know, the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, all of that negative news coming out. But, you know, 
it seems like everything since our last podcast that's come out has been pretty positive as far as the, the NBA season coming back, especially now. And we'll talk about it a little bit later when we get into the NBA, but uh, the Lakers just got clearance and California actually just said that they're looking at pro sports coming back uh, here pretty soon, uh, sooner than originally expected. Cause I know they were one of those States that was expected to extend their uh, shelter or their, stay at home a mandate a little bit longer than other states but looks like there's a path for for professional sports in california now so they more to come on that they heard joe rogan was going to move to texas and <laughs> oh yeah, they, yeah. Oh, so bro um, a lot of the other people. day the other day at work cnn was on over breakfast and that was on cnn they were asking this governor you know uh recently joe rogan said that he would move to texas if he was not able to do stand-up in California until 2022, like rumored. And then here a couple of days later, now all of a sudden they're, they're open for business. So yeah. 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 that's funny. But no, we hit on, no, we hit, no, we hit on a lot of things, man, uh, especially yeah, the, the Pat McAfee thing. That's I know we didn't think about that. We hadn't mentioned Randy Moss, but Pat McAfee, I believe he's done some college booth work as well. Or Yeah, he was in the booth this past year. Yeah, he was in the booth this past year, so yeah. and he's he's pretty funny. He he ties a lot together. Uh, his references are really good, so I think that's a really good pick. And ESPN would be smart to do that because he does have a following for yeah, a punter. I, I like Pat McAfee of all people. Yeah, I, I like Pat McAfee a lot. Uh, coming from Barstool, I, I think he's been with ESPN a little while doing that college stuff. I think I saw him jump into the Brazos River. When he was doing a Baylor Texas game uh, for College Game Day um, a couple of yep. months ago, so he, he's a pretty fun guy. I I like his commentary in the booth. I've listened to a couple of games that he's called. Uh, very very intuitive, and yeah, I'd like to hear him in the booth. Monday night's a, a big spot, but yeah, I, I think he'd be able to do it and bring something different for sure. Yeah, he could rejuvenate it. It, w- it would be. Yeah. I'm not saying he'd be the main guy, but I mean he'd be a good sidekick to whoever. I'd have him on the. Or, or have him on the sidelines or something as a contributor. Yeah, yeah, he needs to be there on prime time for sure. Yeah. I mean, like y'all said, he's very well-rounded. Um, he has his own podcast, and it's 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 done very good. The other thing is, uh, you know how Joe Rogan hosts those uh, fights where companion fight companions? Yeah. Well, Pat yeah. McAfee actually was hired by the WWE, and he hosts his version of a fight companion live during oh, their wow. pay-per-views, and they do really good numbers. So the guy has personality. I would, I would like to see that. And he has a following, so he that's can, why I say ESPN would be smart. ESPN would be smart, or if not, he throw him on like the countdown desk. Do something, man. Exactly. Yeah, you gotta get him on. Yeah. yeah. By the way, no, unless they're just gonna have him as a college guy. I mean, unless yeah. they're gonna push him as a college guy, but. No, he did leave us a link to watch a, a promo that Pat McAfee did off the cup just. And it's a good promo. If y'all have time to watch that link, right. it's in the comments. Okay. All right. Our last YouTube comment to address is uh, Josh coming in again. Josh, we appreciate you, man. It said, good stuff, guys. Learning a lot more than what I see on the media with the NFL and NBA segments. When the pandemic began and then soccer was postponed, Jargon Klopp went and said, the second legs of the round of 16 shouldn't have been played after a loss to Atletico Madrid. If soccer were to continue in the summer with the leg of the UEFA Champions League being left for eight teams, should the legs be canceled and you begin with your original round of 16? And then he said, 
with what unfolded for Tony Ferguson not waiting for his title shot, will Justin Gaethje or George Masvidal give up one of their title shots to fight McGregor? Which do y'all believe it will likely more be? Who do you think is next for Tony and how many fights for him to get the undisputed title shot if he does? What is next for Zhang Wei Li? Also, Justin, why do your co-hosts hate the Lakers? Josh, we'll address that UFC comment uh, in our UFC part of the broadcast, but we we do want to talk about that soccer thing you brought up. Should they go restart the whole Champions League and put it back to 16, even though the games have been played so far, some of them? Why? Like, if, if they've been played, why? Why? That It's just, I mean, it, it had to have been a losing coach or manager. It was. That's because that's the only reason. Like, why? Weren't there even fans still in the stadiums, or did they play a game? Yeah, there with fans? No, there there were fans. So or there they, were fans in the stands. So they weren't affected themselves by it at all and lost. I don't understand what well, why they should be replayed. It sounds like a a, a a sore loser excuse to me. I think Klopp was just upset about you know having to have that on the back of their minds and then play a soccer game. He felt like his team didn't get a fair shake playing it. I mean, bro, there was still fans in the stands. It wasn't even like there was. I think there was a, a leg of the champions that was played without fans, um, but maybe they weren't a part of it. But I believe the last leg that champions played before they postponed their season was played without fans. Um, but yeah, I don't. No, I'm not buying it. Just take your L, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, Champions League is a little tricky as far as doing that restart, and I. I would probably be on the same side as Justin and, and Ben on this one. Um, yeah, Klopp, I, I don't know. That's such a valid excuse saying that you had the whole coronavirus on the back of your mind. I'm pretty sure you could have cared less at that point in time going into that that Champions League game that you're claiming you were distracted on. So, yeah, I don't buy that. Yeah, I, it's hard to buy because he had been pretty vocal up to that point when people would ask him, what's your opinion on coronavirus? And he'd be like, me? I'm a coach of football. Why are you asking me? You know, go ask the experts. Exactly. Like, what's the whole deal? But so I don't think he was even thinking about it. But, I mean, yeah. you know, anything to get you a second try in that league, I mean, I guess <laughs> I can't blame him for shooting a shot. Yeah. Hey, are, are we going to talk about all his UFC points? or Because I wanted to touch up on some of them right now. We could just quickly, as far as Ferguson and the Gaethje. Uh, we, we, yeah, for sure. If you we're gonna have that in the UFC conversation, if you want, we can. Or okay, you want to talk about it now? It's up to you. Now we can get those two out of the way right now because those are quick. As far as Tony, I know we said that he needed some time. Um, as far as the bookings go, obviously Dana's gonna try and save McGregor. Um, for Dustin Poirier doesn't have a fight, depending how long we don't even know how long Tony's suspended for yet. I, I, at least I, I'm, I I don't know how long he's been suspended for yet, but he, he did have a surgery. Broken, he did have a broken orbital orbital and he did avoid surgery as well. So Dustin Poirier is not booked. I mean, depends on how soon he's getting in, but I think that he needs to take a while. Like Roland had, had, uh, had said earlier. And, uh, as his next opponent, it's going to be a top five guy, but it'll be after a couple of things settle themselves out. And for Gaethje, I think that he's just going to take the fight with Khabib. Ali is Gaethje's manager. He's Khabib's manager. They fight each other. He gets super paid. Like, uh, I think, and especially Ali, he wants McGregor on the outside looking in uh, just based on all his pride and how petty he is. So I think that's the way it's going it, to, because it, even when Cowboy fought, uh, Cowboy fought McGregor, he didn't get a pay raise. He was, it was still 200 to show, 200 to win. You would think that he'd at least be like at half a mil or something. 
because McGregor got paid, I believe, $2 million for that fight. So if Gaethje's money is not going to go up, go after the title, dude. Then your money goes up. For sure. Yeah, it's guaranteed to go up at that point once you have the title. So you, you got the pay-per-view points and, among other things, like endorsements. But, yeah, just to touch on the one guy that you, you didn't mention in there uh, that Josh, I think, talked about in his comment was uh, George Masvidal. He's kind of like the, the odd man looking out in all of this because I think uh, Conor McGregor is going to end up fighting Nate Diaz. I think that's going to be the next fight for him because Khabib's going to end up fighting Gaethje. And Connor's already said that he's ready to go. And they've already had a little bit of back and forth on Twitter, uh, Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor lately. So uh, I think that's the fight for Conor McGregor. George Masvidal, like I said, in terms of the big money stuff, looks like he's um, a little missing out a little bit. But just he's rightfully in line for the, the welterweight title shot. So why don't you just fight Kamara Usman? That's what it's uh, I think that's yeah, I think that makes sense for him. Uh, he's and got, I would like to see that for George's legacy. I, I think he's good enough. So, he's yeah. he's posted some pictures on Instagram training with some big-time wrestlers. So. Out of Penn State. Good. Yeah, out of Penn State. So that all, all that points to him fighting Usman and, and trying to get that takedown defense on point. I think that's yeah. what's next for him. Yeah. And I, I would say for that one, maybe sometime around um, – the fight week in July, the the July fourth week, right? International Isn't fight week. International, yeah, international fight, fight week. week. That's when I would see it. Yeah. The last of his comment is, "What is next for Zhang Wei Li?" And we got to do the rematch. So let's run it back. What do yeah. you want? Oh yeah, that's true. I was gonna, I was gonna say, uh, what's uh, the like the Rose? girl that she beat? No, because didn't Rose get knocked out? To uh, yeah, Andrade. Andrade. Oh, and running back with Andrade. But the he rolled Yeah, she ran through Andrade, but that wasn't really Andrade. Andrade just pressured forward. I think Dana, uh, Joanna's more marketable, and, and Joanna's his girl. So yeah. I think the rematch makes a little bit more sense for Dana, but Andrade is definitely uh, option B. I, I just wouldn't want to see Joanna get that rematch just yet, and I'm a big Joanna fan. It's just because you kind of feel like. If she they doesn't win here, this title is shots, of title shots for her. Yeah, they give her too many. Like, and don't get me wrong, they're always badass fights. But Jesus, like after a while, let her fight a non-title fight. I think she fought Waterson and then got yeah, a title shot. Yeah. And Waterson wasn't even a top five. Like, uh, yeah, uh, she pieced her. She pieced her up. Yeah. yeah. All right, and the last comment comes from Twitter, and it's a uh, Leo, and he said, "What was y'all's favorite sports video game?" Mm. I think I said I, I can't remember. I think I said NCAA 2010, the one with uh, Michael Crabtree on it for the Xbox 360. I think that's the first year that there's like online dynasty. Mm-hmm. That's probably my favorite, my favorite sports video game of all time. And at our house, I, I know Leo's favorite was Blitz. He put on his comment because we yeah. played that a lot and we still do play it. He has a 64 and and we'll play. He was my ass because it's his system, obviously. But we played a lot of Mario Golf. And Mario oh, yeah. Soccer, dude, and those were those were legit, man. We'd have some battles on the games. On the game Mario Cube, Tennis too. On the GameCube playing those. Yeah, once the Wii came out with Mario Tennis was pretty legit. But all all of and Madden, I mean, I've been loyal to Madden since since probably two thousand five. And my favorite Madden was two thousand and seven. I had it with the one with Vic my on the cover. Vic. And I had it for yep. GameCube, bro. I was playing on GameCube, but I was wow. nasty with Michael Vick. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you had that QB vision. You had to run and have the yeah, QB exactly. You had the vision for the first year, man. As far as favorite video games, it's so hard for me because 
It's like it just depends on one console. Like you say, N64 uh, Blitz was good, but then I was a big fan of that Ken Griffey baseball game. Mm-hmm. I played all the season long. Uh, if it went to uh, PS2, I had uh, 07 and Madden, and that was awesome. Xbox 360, I was a, I'm still addicted to NCAA Football 14. I'm, I, oh, yeah. I I couldn't make a concise video game because every platform brought me a different uh, favorite. So I, I don't know if I could say definitively which one is my favorite. We we used to play NFL Street on Dreamcast too, yeah, bro. Man, yeah. NBA Street too. I mean, all those yeah. games. Yeah. Huh? Even the NFL 2Ks on the original Xbox with a TO on the cover, and I believe Warren Sapp was on the cover of one. Yeah. That was on that uh, Dreamcast, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, man. It is hard and to Xbox. choose. Bro, but the thing about that, my brothers, my my uh, older brother, he sucks at video games, bro, but he will hammer down the A button. And on those 2Ks, the turbo was just A as fast <laughs> as you could tap. So, oh, dude, he would take off, bro. Nice <laughs> speed, and the dude looked like Usain Bolt down the side. <laughs> this dude was breaking the A button, going half. Dang, man. <laughs> That's something else. That's funny. Good question. Yeah, Bring that is a good question. All right, man. So that's it for the comments. Let's get into our first section. And uh, we want to talk about UFC this week. And uh, because we had the two live events, three in a matter of a week. But uh, we discussed that first event, the last podcast. Um, Some of the things that went down on that second night in Jacksonville, man, we had some questionable, questionable decisions. For me especially, uh, Cheeto Vera, I, I felt like he was robbed. Um, what was y'all's opinion on the judging that night? Yeah, I, I thought the judging was was questionable, especially on, on you know some of these fights that we're we're gonna get into. The one for me, I know you mentioned uh, Marlon Vera. Uh, that Cheeto, I thought he got ripped off. Uh, the other one that I, I thought was a, a pretty bad one because he had two definitive rounds in my mind. Uh, was Edson Barbosa against uh, Ige. I thought he won the first two rounds. Uh, Ige, I think he won the third round. Uh, but I, I think Barbosa clearly won rounds one and two. And I, I thought that was pretty questionable. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know how some of these, these cards are getting scored, what, what some of these officials are looking at, whether it's they're putting more weight on um, more strikes or who's inflicting more damage. I always kind of put more weight on who's inflicting more damage and it's kind of controlling the fight that way. But uh, th- there were some questionable calls uh, throughout this, this card to say the least. Yeah. The, the judges, I, I, all three cards, man, dating back. I know I was upset about the Cowboy and Pettis fight because they had it as a unanimous decision. Um, and I thought Cowboy had won the fight, but I thought just the judging in general in Florida uh, fortunately for me on the three fights that you all mentioned as far as uh, on Wednesday's card being bad decisions, they all happened to go my way in the pick'em contest. Um, I know last minute, I or not last minute, last minute of uh, Friday, I texted you all that I wanted to switch from Angela Hill to Gadelia, and you all gave me a, a hard time, but you all let me switch. You had um, enough time. It's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, they all ended up going my way as far as the decisions, but I have to agree that every single one of those fights, me personally scoring all all bias aside, um, I had Chito Vera beating Song Yadong, I had Angela Hill beating Claudia Gadelia, and I had uh, Barboza 
beating Dan Ige, you know, even though I had all of them in the pick'em contest. Yeah. It, it was crazy. There was a, a stat that I was seeing, and I have it pulled up here, but as far as fighters that dropped their opponents and Barboza yeah. dropped Ige twice. <laughs> Barboza dropped Ige twice. Angela Hill dropped uh, Claudia Gadelia one time. And it was three fighters who scored knockdowns lost at UFC fight night. Overeem yeah. versus Harris, Edson Barbosa, and Angela Hill. Before tonight, fighters who scored at least one knockdown in 2020 were 32-1 and one on the year. And that one was a disqualification of Pereira against Diego Sanchez when he dropped him and threw that illegal knee and he got yeah. DQ'd. When Diego said that he couldn't see, you remember that? Yeah, I remember he was, that. He was pulling a stun in the corner. He picked an W. That was a yeah. veteran move. It was a veteran move for sure. But yeah, bro, like Barboza, I thought he was schooling Dan Ige. I mean, Barboza yeah. was getting hit with some of those hooks, but he never got dropped. Dan Ige got dropped twice. I didn't see, I didn't see how uh, Barboza lost that fight. Like I said, thank God it, it went for me. The Gadelia and Hill one I thought might have been the closest out of the three. Um, because Gadelia did work those takedowns in the first and second round, but Angela Hill dropped her in the second round, so she could have taken that one, and, and she striking. clearly won the third round where it was just striking. Yeah. Um, and Angela Hill was tweeting that, Dana, you know I won that fight, and I'm ready. Yeah, uh, she said Arizona, Las Vegas, the island, wherever. Uh, as far as Chito, Chito was pissed because Yadong even tried to high-five him, and Chito kind of said, get out of my face, bro. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty pissed. Especially for him, because had he won, I mean, it swung his pay six figures. So yeah. he would he would have made six figures had he won, and they gave him that decision. Uh, it was rough. I think that I one. See it. Yeah, I think that one might have been unanimous too, bro. Yeah, so, I don't know how you don't. I don't. I didn't have him winning one round, but that was just me. I, I thought Vera won all three of those. I rounds. thought he was hitting the harder punches. Uh, Dong was definitely. He was sitting on his punches a lot more and. They sounded louder, but Vera was advancing and mixing in the kicks with the punches. I thought he won the fight, like I said. Um, fortunately for me, it went the other way. But yeah, the, the judging was was pretty bad in Florida. Uh, thank God that, that those three events were the last ones there for now. I know that they said that they're moving to either Las Vegas or, or Arizona. but Arizona. Yeah. yeah, definitely suspect judging. They might have been on that uh, Keith Peterson and been on the cigarettes and alcohol. Yeah. Man, and then um, I think they said the next one, as long as Nevada doesn't have any issues with them opening, it will be there at the Performance Center. If not, it's going to be in Arizona, who I think is, what, two weeks already saying they uh, can open with no fans, I think? Yeah. It, yeah. Isn't Arizona also? Isn't that the state where they that had the Indian reservation? Uh, I'm just going off. Or is that oh, California? Oh, uh, California. There you go. Arizona has, but I don't yeah, think Arizona's open for business. Route. So yeah, they yeah. wouldn't go that the Indian reservation route with with several states opening, especially California and Texas opening today. Yeah. Dana did say that he owed them one though in the future. Yeah. Let's see. It, it just. It, what I what I uh, mean to bring that up is just uh, it looks good for the UFC. Having these three events and then with these states opening up, that we're not going to have another yeah. shutdown uh, of an event anytime soon. And it almost, I mean, it was kind of like the the starting factor. We had this, and then it seemed like things were okay. All, things are kickstarting for the NBA. The MLB kind of has a route now. 
it seems like they kind of paved the way and said, hey, look, they even had somebody test positive in Verdum on that paper, or Jacare. not Verdum, uh, yeah, on that pay-per-view event, Jacare, and still went through with it, still got through the three fight cards, everybody's good, they were posting videos of the test, so I think that they kind of paved the way for other sports to to kind of start falling in line. We all know the NFL wasn't going to wasn't gonna skip a beat, but as far as professional sports, um, things are starting to look like they're getting on track. Now, college is a whole different story. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one of the things uh, over the week was uh, the Anthony Smith-Glover fight. Uh, I don't know if anybody got to see that fight, but that was a really good fight to see just because, you know, thinking Hard to watch. Smith was going to come in and take care of business and Glover just handled it big time. Um, but the thing is, during that fight, there was no stoppage going on, and it seemed like Roland just mentioned hard to watch. Um, and I want to ask you all, uh, this guy, he comes up to his corner and says, my teeth are falling out. You know, he's already out of it. You can tell he's just not going to quit because he's a, he's a fighter. But uh, what side are you guys on? Are you on the die on your shield side, or do you uh, like to see your fighters live another day and get another fight and not take so much damage the way Anthony Smith Took a lot of extra damage that I felt was unnecessary. Yeah, I, I don't want us to be on the middle of on the middle of the fence on this one, or sitting on the fence because I, I kind of see both sides, uh, depending on you know who the fighter is and whatnot. But I, I'm going to err on the side of live to see another day. You know, I, I don't think there's any need, especially in the case of Anthony Smith, where it was clear after maybe the end of the second round or maybe midway through the third that he was just not going to turn it around. Like there was no need for him to go back out into the fifth round. Like it was clear that he did not have like another gear in him to, to flip the switch as his, you know, his name would, would lead you to believe. And that's why maybe some people felt comfortable leaving him in there as his corner did yeah. or cornerman did because his nickname is Lionheart and he's had a bunch of knockouts or comeback victories in the later rounds. And they were probably giving him that uh, that benefit of the doubt, and he even alluded to that, saying, "Hey, I'm, they did their job. As I'm going to go out on on my own um, on my own call. That's my rule." So he kind of gave his cornerman some bail there. But me personally, live to see another day. There's no need to go out there and keep on getting beat, especially if it's clear that you're not going to get it turned around. I mean, look at what happened with. Uh, I know it's a different sport, but Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Wilder said he wanted to go out on the shield, but there, it was clear he was not going to turn that fight around. I know he's a one-punch guy, but he was getting dominated, and his guys came out and saved him. So I would have liked to have seen the same for Anthony Smith, but, yeah, it's, it's just different philosophies. But I just happen to be on the side of just live to see another day. Roland, you say that his guys came out and saved him, and they all got fired for doing that. So, I mean, I guess it all That's just – to him. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like – like Roland, I think it's tricky. Um, with Anthony Smith, with him saying going to his corner and saying that his teeth are falling out, if I'm his coach and I see him the way he's he got knocked down, his back touched to Matt. I mean, he was in serious trouble, and he's telling me that his teeth are falling out. I probably wouldn't let him go out. But then, how can I say that and then be on the side of Tony Ferguson and say I think it was good that they didn't throw in the towel? I mean, he never he, he never touched the mat. He was getting touched up. Both guys, every time they were getting touched, it felt like Anthony Smith, every time he got punched, like he really felt it, man, because he had to shake it off. We, we, saw, 
We even saw Tony Ferguson, you know, shaking his head, trying to get his equilibrium back every time he was getting hit. So I'm going to be on the fence. I know Roland said he wasn't going to be on the fence, but I'm going to play the fence, and I'm going to say you just need to know your fighter. Um, I still think that Ferguson should have gone out on his shield. I mean, who knows how much those extra punches would have done to, towards his career, you know, affected it, maybe finally put it, put his back on the mat and yeah. put him out for good. But with Anthony, with Anthony Smith, it was a little different, man. He was he was getting mounted, he was getting ground and pounded. I mean, he he was merciless. He was merciless. And then another one is the Alistair Overeem and 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 Walt Harris. I mean, look at how bad Harris had Overeem hurt in the first round. And we all, you know, knock on Overeem for his chin. I know I picked him for the contest, but he did get touched up. And usually, when he gets touched up, that's the end of it. You know what I mean? Uh, the ref let him survive, and then I felt like in the second round, the ref let Walt Harris survive a little too much once Overeem was ground and pounding because he had, like, his hands tied under him. He had him trapped, yeah. and he was kind of just going off on him. But everybody, you know, had that, you know, everybody wanted Walt Harris to do good and win, and maybe the referee gave him a little bit of an extra chance, but it was more the same in the third round, and that's when, I mean, there was no doubt but to come – between them and stop it so uh, i'm gonna play the fence and say you got to know your fighter and, and you know I'm, I'm glad you brought up you know the referee too because that's the other perspective that's the third point of view in all of this you have the corner you have the fighter and you also have the referee in there that is supposed to be governing the fight and you know ensuring the safety of the fighters and i think herzog the guy who was uh, repping that fight he's a, a pretty well-renowned uh, referee there's a lot of respect for him out there um in, in the ufc and he actually, he came out and, you know, put out a tweet and said that he's going to try and do better because I think he felt that he let it go a little too far in, in terms of the Anthony Smith and Glover Teixeira uh, fights concerned. But yeah, Ben, and I will give you, I do think it is case by case. You, you got to know your fighter um, and, and kind of know who you're dealing with. But also, like, if it's just clear that they're not going to turn it around and they're getting their ass beat, uh, for lack of better words, don't mean to say it like that. I don't want to bring any disrespect to the fighters. But if, they're, if it's clear they're not turning it around, just throwing the white towel. <clears throat> yeah, actually, I'm with what, you, what? Roland, on this case by case basis. The difference to me between the Tony fight and the Anthony fight was Tony wasn't verbal or vocal about wanting yeah. to stop it or anything. That's big. And Anthony Smith goes to his cornerman, tells him, "Hey, my teeth are falling out." He's not necessarily saying I'm ready to quit, but he's kind of giving you a hint, like, hey, "I'm getting, I'm getting it handed to me here." You know, you got to know your trouble. fighter, you know. Yeah. yeah. He's not going to say it. He's not going to say, I want to quit. That's not him. So, yeah. to me, it's a case-by-case case basis. And, and, Justin, that's the thing. Fighters don't want to say that. They don't want to say, I can't go. But that's why they say things like, hey, my teeth are falling out, dude. Yeah. And, I think and, he's having trouble with his mouthpiece. And another another example is Anthony Pettis when he fought Ferguson. Broke Remember my, after the second round, he went to the corner and he told Duke Rufus, hey, I broke my hand, man. And Duke Rufus, Duke Rufus, knowing his fighter because Pettis has trained with him forever, knew shit. Maybe it's not saying that he wants to quit, but he's not going to be effective. Or maybe that's code for, hey, you know, I, I can't fight anymore, dude. Yeah. And they, he threw in the towel and he didn't get out of the corner. So you just got to know your fighter, man. That's, yeah. that's the example that I'll use is Duke Rufus and Anthony Pettis. I thought that was really good. You know, as soon as Pettis got to the corner, he said, I broke my hand. He still gave him some instruction. 
And then he came back to the hand and was like, hey, can you go? You know, he was kind of, he, Anthony Pettis never said no because they're yeah, not going to say no. They're not going to say it. They're not going to say no. And you know, Ben, I actually like that you bring that up because it was so interesting to see Pettis talk about it afterwards saying, hey, he's my trainer for a reason. He knows me best. So if he says I can't go, then I couldn't go. The complete opposite of Wilder, but yeah, man, the yeah. the the fighter coach uh, bond and relationship. You see how big it is with Gaethje and Whitman. You know, listening yeah. to that advice and being able to adjust mid fight. That's that's something that I'm gonna try and highlight more in our pick'em contest. I'm gonna try and put uh you know mention the fighters camps. Uh, that way we know yeah. who they're being coached by. So I think that'll help with as far as picks go. It's going to be interesting to see. Because I'm keeping it all to myself, and I'm at the top of the leaderboards, boys. <laughs> you know what? Let's just go <laughs> over those leaderboards now that you mention it. I think I do have right. it pulled up right here. Uh, right now we got – We have <laughs> Yeah. So we, we, had, we had given an update after the pay-per-view, and then we had the Wednesday event, and we had the Saturday event. So the standings changed after that. We had some people – uh, that didn't pick a fight right on Wednesday, you know, get on the board on Saturday. Uh, they went over on Wednesday, but they got on the board on Saturday. And, you know, so uh, the standings right now in no particular order, just random. We got Roland Z with 10.3 points, Justin with an even nine, Ben with 11.4, Josh with 9.4, Gabby with 7.7. .7, uh, Big John with 2.35, Mondo with 5.7, uh, Roland Gonzalez with 2.4, Izzy with 2, and Diego with 3.05. Now, if you're tripping out about the decimals, um, I wanted to avoid ties, something that I learned through playing fantasy football. Uh, you want to get into decimals to avoid ties. So an example that I'll give, Alistair Overeem, uh, we gave the odds out at plus 135. Uh, since he did come in for that fight, if you picked Overeem, you get 1.35 points. For Dan Ige, if you pick Dan Ige and he came in as a plus 105 underdog, you get 1.05 points. So you got Ige and Overeem. You obviously, it obviously totals out to 2.40 points. So that's why we're doing the decimals, just to avoid ties. We don't want to go you know, half the year doing this contest and then we get to the end and we have a tie and we have to fight to the death or something crazy like that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so those are the standings. Uh, we don't have an event this coming weekend, but there is something, I believe, on the horizon for two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Another fight night, I think. Uh, I believe that's the one headlined by Woodley. Woodley's going to be on the card with Burns, I believe, and Mackenzie Dern. I think we only have maybe like four fights announced on that, yeah. so it's not a for um, it's not like the card set in stone where we know exactly who and what. Well, he's and Dana had said that if they couldn't do it in Las Vegas, they would go to New Mexico. So I think that he's. I mean, at this point, I don't see him canceling another card yeah. after putting on three in a row. Uh, I expect to start hearing some fight announcements as early as tomorrow. Yeah, because I know Tuesdays is usually when the matchmakers meet. So. Uh, we should get some news tomorrow, filling up that card. One thing I wanted to mention about this uh, podcast pick'em contest for the UFC is, guys, if y'all still want to get in this contest, you still can pick. I mean, no one's killing anybody on the board yet. I mean, it's still fair play. If you want to get in this week, make your picks. I mean, you could easily get hot and then you'd be right up in the middle of that pack right away. So, 
Yeah, a uh, one, one, one or two big underdogs is all it takes, and we still have over like a hundred plus picks to make, man. So the, yeah. I mean, we still got all summer. We still got through the winter, and it ends in January. So there's gonna be a lot. There's three or four cards a month, and uh, we're picking at least twenty fights a month. So yeah. uh, there's still a chance. So let's get in there if you want, man. If you're thinking about getting in there, just do it, man. It's gonna be fun. Get yep. to track. We get we'll track them for you and. And you get Just to see where you're picks. at. Yep. And, um, as far as this uh, past two weeks with the UFC, is there anything else y'all would like to cover uh, or go over? Um, anything that you just thought, hey, I want to talk about this or give a mention to any fight in particular uh, before we move on? Uh, not necessarily a fight, but maybe a potential fight. Uh, there's some talk in the heavyweight division about potentially a uh, Francis Ngannou and, and John Jones linking up. That seems to have legs. I think John Jones at this point, uh, I don't think he has anything left in light heavyweight. I know there's some maybe questionable calls that he's had lately, but he won those fights that were quote-unquote questionable. And he's defended his belt on numerous times, more t times than other guys who have you know ditched the division and moved on to bigger and better things in terms of the super fight. So I like that Francis Ngannou fight. It's also good for Ngannou because uh, the heavyweight division, as we're talking about, is still at a standstill with Stipe and DC. I still don't know what's going to happen with that. So it, it helps out Ngannou, gives him a, a high-profile fight, probably going to be one of the bigger paydays of his career, uh, maybe if, if they decide to, to do that. But, uh, yeah, I, I like that. I'm surprised that... <laughs> that came to be, but John Jones, I mean, he has, he has nothing to be afraid of at this point. He's trying to build his legacy, I think, and try and get in more into the mainstream. And I think this is one way that'll help him do that. Uh, is fighting Francis Ngannou, the predator. I think that'd be great. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it has as much legs as, as, as Roland thinks it has. And in, in my opinion, you know, I just, John Jones is always bringing up people's names. I, I like the guy, but He's always bringing up people's names to try and stay in the news. And I just don't think that if he's going up to fight heavyweight, the first fight that he goes up there for is Francis Ngannou. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, something that I wanted to point out over the past three weeks or the past week of, of the three fight cards and tying it to the Pick'em contest, all three main events, the underdog won. Gaethje at plus money came in against Ferguson uh, Teixeira at plus money came in against Anthony Smith and Overeem at plus money came in against Walt Harris. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's wide open. Just that's a little trend that I just thought of today when I was thinking of the, of the main events. And, but yeah, for that John Jones and Naganu, it's, it's just too scary for it to be John Jones first heavyweight fight, man. I think that he just wants some buzz around his name, some positive buzz. Uh, to try and get over that last arrest, and that's just my take on it. But Francis Naganu uh, will be the whenever the heavyweight belt changes, it'll be because Naganu is the champion. That was that's my prediction. Well, I I got like a little two part here. Um, first off, I don't think this is gonna happen, just because I personally think we're gonna see John Jones Izzy before we see John Jones Predator. That's just my opinion, just because there's a little more history there, a little bit more talk between the two of wanting to fight, and that that are not too far in weight. Um, Jones could maybe get him out of catch weight, lose a few more pounds, and get there. 
Um, and the other part is, let's say this is real and this does have legs. Could you attach an interim title to this bout? Uh, that's a good question because I was going to say John Jones isn't fighting unless there's a there's a gold attached to the fight. So I agree with your point of him fighting Izzy before he fights Naganu unless Naganu just becomes champion. But John Jones isn't going to go waste his first fight at heavyweight on a non-title fight. If he's going up, it's it's to be a champ champ. He's not going to ruin the opportunity. Like DC did. Yeah, he's not going to go walk through the number – or not walk, but – attempt to go through the number one contender and then earn a title shot. I think John Jones uh, merits an automatic title shot if he were to make the jump. So that's just kind of why I don't see the Naganu fight coming. It's it's too dangerous, man. Yeah, John's more technical and all that, but with Naganu, all it takes is one shot. And if he's going to have 25 minutes to land that one shot because I don't see John putting him out, um, that's just scary. What do you think of rolling the interim title shot if this does happen? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I, like Ben said, he merits an automatic uh, championship fight. So, yeah, I think so. And you can't let DC and Stipe or whoever Stipe hold up the division anymore. It's just getting annoying at this point. You can't. Uh, I think the heavyweight division, I, there's other divisions in the UFC that have been held hostage by certain guys, but... Uh, I think Cain Velasquez, he held the heavyweight division hostage for a while through injury. I don't know why he didn't get stripped. And Stipe, you know, you, you can't let this whole first responder thing and being a firefighter thing uh, stop you from defending the belt. I mean, you, you signed up with the UFC. I know you signed up. Nobody told you to be firefighter, first of all. I know you did that. That's your own obligation, whatever. But you're also the heavyweight champion, and you have an obligation to defend that belt. So, it's cute and everything that you're a firefighter and that, but you can't be holding up the division. So, yeah, I, I would want an interim fight, not more so because John Jones merit, but just because you can't be holding up the division any longer. I think that would be another solution to the division holding up. Either you threaten and say that, hey, this is the interim fight. This is what we're going to do. If you're not ready, Stipe, get ready to fight, or you actually do it. So, yeah, I, I, I like that idea. Well, you sound uh, like gotta, echoing the sentiments of another heavyweight fighter in that division a la Curtis yeah, Blades. Blades yeah Blades man I'm glad he said something somebody needed to say something he wasn't saying it out of a spiteful place or a place of somebody that is waiting for a title shot because I think yeah. he, he knows where he stands in the division right now he's just coming out and saying hey guys other and he wasn't the only one that came out this week I think Ben Rothwell after yeah. his fight he came at out a press and conference. Said, hey, at his press conference a post fight press conference said hey I can fight for a finite number of years. Uh, my UFC career has this many years attached to it. I can't have my stuff on standstill because these other this guy doesn't want to fight. Uh, ben Rothwell said that. Ben Rothwell said that. Ben Rothwell needs to shut up. His career's been on standstill that, due to puppy for steroids gonna, twice. He's not going to fight a. He's not going to fight a uh, for a title shot. And sure, he got stopped for steroids, but. He's just speaking in, in terms of for the, the other heavyweights, too. I mean, Curtis Blades, who, why why does his career have to be on standstill? Why why does everybody else's career because have to be on standstill? Because he can't be Francis Ngannou. Guy, That's why. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, though. You can't have one guy who's who's just coming out here and doesn't want to defend for a, a 
because he's a first responder. I, I don't understand. He can open hey, up the gym. We had, he can train. We had Giannis it's, tweeting, hey, you know, I, I don't get to play basketball. You know, like if Giannis doesn't get to practice, uh, he doesn't. That's, that's not the problem, though. He can practice. That's, that's not an excuse. Here's the thing, man. We got to put some respect on the name of the guy who's defended the heavyweight title the most times. I respect uh, him, man, but it's just, it's getting we're, to be... We're here acting like he's never defended the title. We need to keep that same energy with Conor McGregor, who's never defended a belt that he's won. Like, we're I'm, here, no killing, we're here killing Stipe, and he's defended the belt four times, guys. More than any other heavyweight. I think we need to, I think the fight's going to happen. I think DC took his sweet-ass time when he beat Stipe. They both did. They both did. They bo so it, he's just returning the favor. And as far as Curtis Blades, you fought Naganu twice already, bro. You haven't beaten him. That's why you're you're not in the title picture until until Naganu. But he knows he's not. He's not saying that. Yeah, again, he wasn't picture. coming from that perspective. It's, yeah. Listen, Stipe had surgery. He yeah, he's a first responder. I don't think that the first responder is the main issue. I just like who knows if the state where he's at is even open. Khabib flees Ohio. to another country, and it's like, oh, okay, but Stipe, if he can't train, he can't train. The fight's going to happen. He said it's going to happen before the end of this year. It's going to be against DC, and then the division will get moving again. But the guy's defended the belt successfully four times. I think yeah. that we need to cut him a little slack. Uh, he'll fight once this year. Sure. Most champions only fight once a year. That's Look, the way him, it I'm is. I give him respect for defending the, the, the belt, but the whole I can't train thing, that doesn't work. You're a it, professional UFC fighter with a professional more trainer. Than anything. Yeah, exactly. It's just, come on, man. Look, and, and I'm not going to say, oh, he's not one of the greatest heavyweights of all time or anything yeah, like no that. Yeah, no one's saying that. It's no just a narrative that. that he's put out. I mean, you can't train. Everybody's been training. Why are you the yeah. only one that can't yeah. train? And you're a volunteer, and, and I'm not saying that's like no big deal but it's not like that's your main yeah. job your main well, job is ufc fighting that's where your check comes from that's where you feed your family from justin it's because there's training and then there's championship fight training and he's championship fight training he's he's fighting you might he's, have something on me you he, might have a point but he's gonna have he's training yeah. to fight dc who's arguably one of one of the top five best mma athletes of all time yeah just just of all time i mean he's a two division champ. that too as well one of so, the best lightweights as it, well He's not just so is he not going to fight throughout the whole coronavirus then? Are we just going to wait until this whole thing is... Well, he said he's fighting before the year ends. He's fighting before the oh. year ends. But, bro, most fighters... Khabib's going to defend once this year? And what's the problem with yeah. Stipe defending once this year? Samudel's going to defend once this year? How many times I, I is John we, Jones going to defend this year? We, A lot of these champions are only going to defend once this year. I think we need to cut Stipe some slack. Yeah, but how many times did John Jones fight in 2019? Well, yeah, that's that's fine. That's a different story. But Stipe wasn't the champion in 2019 when DC was holding up the heavyweight belt. Maybe he would have been fighting Derek Lewis and getting an easy ass win. D if DC was really about it, he would have gone right to that Stipe rematch. Not put Derek Lewis in the middle, get an easy win, get and surgery, then go fight Stipe. He's just returning the favor. Yeah. It, it's coronavirus time anyway. Everything was set back. Relax, Curtis Blades. I like you. <laughs> yeah, maybe I just got some deep-seated, you know, hatred for Stipe yeah. or something. Hey, if you don't like, yeah. hey, yeah, if you don't like a guy, it'll it'll make. But 
I, he's not my favorite either, but I understand. I respect him, though. I, re- I respect him. He I is one of the him. best heavyweights of all time. Yeah. He, I mean, heavyweight to defend that many times, props, honestly. Yeah, I so, respect yeah. what he does. You know, the whole thing It's just from a fan perspective, I cannot say I'm on that guy's fan list. It's just, it yeah. is what it mm-hmm. is. And my bias is probably showing. And and for you, Justin, it's because of his interviews and right. Yeah, yeah. I can never hear what you he's saying. Like, I don't understand and, what he says. Yeah, he's he's he said it himself that he's terrible at interviews. He talks super fast and his words get minced together. It's yeah, but I understand. He's a hell of a fighter. Oh, I thought he is. Um, to keep it in the heavyweight division uh, and talk about Ngannou anymore, we had a comment from Bull on Twitter, and he said, "Guys, who do you think?" Would win the ghost, as I said. <laughs> no, what if I said, What a bull stand ghost, too? Yeah, yeah. He said, Um, Mike Tyson in his prime versus Francis and Ngannou in his prime. Who wins? <sighs> uh, tough question because I don't think we've seen Ngannou's prime yet. I mean, he, he lost two fights about a year ago, so I think he's barely hitting his prime. I think when he becomes champion in 2021, it'll be his prime. And, I mean, that's a tough question. Obviously, they're both heavyweights. I think, I don't know what the boxing heavyweight is. I think it'd be, like, super heavyweight because Nagano weighs in right at the heavyweight limit for UFC, which is 265. Yeah. And yeah. The, the the range for them is from 240 to 265. So, I think Tyson fought at under 240 when he was a heavyweight. But even with the reach and all of that, man, I mean, if it was a street fight, I'd say Nagano probably wins. Because he lands one punch if they're or an MMA fight, I'd give it to Naganu. I think if they box, Tyson would probably shuffle circles around Naganu, break him down slowly. Uh, depends where they fight, yeah. obviously. Yeah, like each win in their perspective sport. Yeah, I I gotta agree. I, I well actually, I I probably give both in their prime uh, to Tyson maybe. But boxing, I, I definitely lean towards Tyson. If he doesn't get him out in the first, I think Ngannou will be tired by the second, and and Tyson will take him out. Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Uh, I know there's been a lot of videos circling around the internet of Mike Tyson and his training regimen. He's been stepping it up. Seems like he's training for something. I don't know if that has legs, but uh, yeah, he, yeah, he's been he's been stepping it up. It's kind of scary. I, I would not want to be the guy holding up those pads. I mean, I know people say oh, I don't want to be the guy getting hit in the face. I don't even want to be holding up those punching pads for Mike Tyson. He, he'll break my fucking hand. So yeah, <laughs> it's a good question. But yeah, I'd take Mike Tyson in his prime in a boxing match over Nagano for sure. Yeah, in a boxing match, yeah. But like a, in an MMA match, I'd probably take Nagano and that whole. Uh, Tyson, Tyson Holyfield three. I, I know somebody sent a poster to it in the group chat, and they said it's in Saudi Arabia, which really made me think hard about how real it is because hey, you know they, they pay a lot of money over there. They pay yeah, they a lot pay, no, money. and they pay a lot of money in Saudi Arabia. So if it's happening over there, and both guys have been seen on Instagram, like they've been posting videos, training, hitting pads. Tyson's been hitting pads. Um, with Rafael Cordero, the guy who runs Kings MMA, and Cordero was even on Helwani show saying that when he was holding pads for Tyson, that he likes holding pads real close to his face to make it, you know, as real as possible for the fighter. But when he was holding it for Tyson and he saw the hook coming, that he saw like his life flash before his eyes, he said, 
He said, Ariel, I saw my dog, my daughter, my wife. Oh, my God. <laughs> he said everything yeah. just flashed. Damn. So, yeah, Holyfield and Tyson have both been training. I think that I think that has more legs to it than Naganu and John Bones Jones. Put it to you that I, way. I can't, I can't believe their doctors would clear that. But Bro, they're... But in Saudi Arabia, do you need doctors to clear anything? No. Hey. Man, I know. I just I'm thinking about the the potential after effects on somebody's yeah. brain. Roland, they're they're more there. And their brain's Chuck already Liddell. gone. Yeah, more there than Chuck Liddell. Well, that's what I'm gonna say. They Probably. did the Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz fight. There's no reason that was sanctioned in America. There's no way Saudi Arabia ain't sanctioning these two. These dudes, they still look like beasts. Yeah. Well, Mike Tyson, I've seen his video. That's ridiculous that he's still throwing that heat. Yeah, for me, uh. Like you said, like both of y'all mentioned, in a boxing match, Tyson all day. The hand speed, are you kidding me? He walks circles around Ngannou. In an MMA fight, Ngannou's going to be your slight favorite, I think. But you still, I, it could even be a pick for me just because of the hand speed. I mean, there's a difference in, in Tyson's hand speed and Ngannou's hand speed. And uh, Ngannou would probably have to take him to the floor and win it that way. Uh, he'd probably be the favorite, but like you said, it just depends on where it's at. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Yeah, we would have to see what weight. What I mean, if Tyson would come in at two forty, I mean, I guess it's good to go. You those, know? those questions are always fun because you you know you can just dream up with so many scenarios, hypotheticals. Yeah, so many hypotheticals. All right, speaking of uh, the next UFC pay per view, uh, UFC two fifty is the next pay per view card that would be coming up, and what we do um, know about it so far is we got Nunes. Versus, I believe, Felicia Spencer uh, headlining yeah. that card. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what, I believe what, they have four fights on that card. Yeah. So what we wanted to talk about today was Amanda Nunes, especially, um, is being the champ champ, is she the lady goat? Yeah, I think for uh, sure she I'll is. She, she's finished all these girls. I think when she did what she did to Ronda Rousey, it made her the lady goat because... Before before everybody held Ronda Rousey as a lady goat, and Amanda Nunez has upped Ronda Rousey, you know, a couple, yeah. a couple of her title runs, and even facing Cyborg, you know, Rousey would have never, um, yeah, never would. She ran from her. She ran from her. Yeah. So I think Nunez can retire today and be the goat. I don't think that there's much left for her. I know that they're already starting a family. Let's see how much longer she wants to fight. With Cyborg leaving to yeah. Bellator, there goes the rematch. What's really left for her? Yeah. I mean, there, there's no there's no more real competition. Who's at the top? She's beat them all, you know? So uh, maybe a third fight against Shevchenko, but, I mean, she's already beaten her twice. I don't see what changes the third time. The first time. one was kind of close, I thought. A uh, lot closer yeah. than the second one, but because Nunez started gassing, and the second fight she paced herself a lot better and came in a lot better one more decisively but yeah there's not much more left for her she's even hinted at wanting to retire soon because yeah, she has as a family what else is there to do you know what i mean yeah start a gym and make that money from home yeah yeah no yeah she's she's definitely the goat for me uh she solidified that not after the rousey fight because i i don't really think anybody thought rousey was going to win that fight realistically but uh, for me, she solidified it when she beat Cyborg Absolutely. in that super fight. Uh, when she became the champ champ against Cyborg, that's when there was no questions asked. 
Amanda Nunez, Lioness, is here, and she's here to stay, and she's the champ. So uh, after that fight, for me, she could have retired and, and been done with it. But everything that she's done afterwards, I mean, I, her last fight was kind of crazy. There were some moments where she, she might have been in trouble, but uh, she, everything that she's done after that fight, she's defended, defended, defended. Uh, can't really question her legacy at this point. And as far as what's left for her, I, I really don't know either. I, I would like to see her fight Shevchenko, but that's really just out of a, a super fight uh, yeah. want of mine. But uh, as Ben said, they've already fought twice. But I think Shevchenko, I mean, she's only gotten better too in, in her last couple of fights. She's only improved. So who knows what that fight looks like in a couple of months or years from now. But yeah, Amanda Nunez, without a doubt, is the GOAT uh, on the woman's side for sure. Yeah, uh, I have to agree. Uh, Nunez is the goat. Um, just going back to UFC 200 and seeing how she pieced up uh, Misha Cupcake Tate, the improvement okay. fr- from there was like, wow, look at her go, you know. And then she goes and beats Rousey, and then the way she handled Cyborg, it's it wasn't so much that she beat her, it's that she handled her, you know, knocked her out. Yeah, she put her to even home. Who yeah. knocks out Holly Holm? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nobody knocks uh, out Holly Holm. She knocked not, not even kid. Cyborg knocked out Holly Holm. Yeah, so she I, knocked Holly Holm. So that for me solidifies it. I mean, it, it's kid. just hard yeah. to to top that at this point. Um, I, the next thing I would like to see her maybe is that uh, at one hundred forty five, just because I want to see it uh, that Megan Anderson fight. I don't know. She's not maybe deserving. I just want to see it though. Just want to see a big lanky fighter against Nunes. Just to see what what happens. At 145, I guess she'd be deserving because there's only like three fighters there's in only, that division. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, she's won her last few fights, so she's on an upper trajectory herself. It would it would just be another body. It would just be. Yeah, it probably would, but that's just what I think I would like to see. Yeah, um, a lot of people like to see Megan Anderson just. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. I think that's it for the UFC topics for this week. Well, as y'all know, uh, the world is going through a pandemic right now. And uh, it has affected sports. And something we've been talking about weekly is, you know, updating where we're at with sports and the pandemic. And uh, this is a section that Roland has been doing quite a bit of research on and going over with us. So I'm going to have him... Uh, get into it here and this is our weekly sports coronavirus update Roland anyway. yeah it's, it's kind of crazy it's really 2020 of us to have a, a coronavirus uh, segment in the podcast but and here we are today a coronavirus uh, but, expert exactly but yeah I wouldn't call myself an expert but I have been you know keeping track of the different leagues and and the states and how those rulings are affecting uh, who can come back and who can't. So as we all know, you know, Bundesliga in Germany, the uh, Division One Soccer League, they came back this past weekend. Uh, they, they played games on uh, Saturday, Sunday. There's a game uh, yet today, and then they're picking back up on Friday. No fans in the stands, of course, but uh, there's more sports to, to talk about, and they actually had a pretty successful weekend. I know they were all over Fox Sports, so it's really good for their league and the exposure that they're getting. So they came back in Germany. I know PGA Tour, uh, they're thinking about having their first event uh, in June uh, in June of this year, June 11th. I think they're coming back in Texas. I don't know the, the name of the event, but they are coming back, and they just had a match play uh, this past weekend between uh, Dustin Johnson, uh, Roy, Roy McElroy, and Ricky Fowler. 
I know one other guy, I can't remember his name right now, it's escaping me. I saw it yesterday. Uh, but if somebody can find that, that'd be great. But they just had a match, no fans. Uh, they were all separated in their own carts, uh, had their own uh, little ice chest that only they could touch. So uh, taking all the precautions in the world. Uh, so it's really good to see golf come back. But most recently, on the, the flip side of things, uh, the California state school system, their chancellor, they actually came out this past week and said that their school system uh, is not going to come back to school uh, physically. They're not going to be holding classes on campus uh, for the rest of the year uh, through the fall. So this upcoming fall semester, the California state system with schools like Fresno State, uh, San Jose State, uh, San Diego State, those are their three major uh, Division One schools. They're all in the Mountain West Conference, and they all play Division One football. They're pretty much taken out of the equation now that their schools have said that there's no students because they've also come out and said that if they're not going to be holding classes on campus, they're not going to be bringing out uh, football and they're not going to be having sports in the fall um, unless they have uh, students um, in the dorms and going to class and all of that. So I guess the, the thought process is if we're not going to have actual students there, why are we going to risk and, and put out our student athletes out on the field? So They've already come out and said that there's no school in the fall, so that essentially cancels them out. So, like I said, that's Fresno State, San Diego State, and San Jose State. They're all Division One football teams all uh, saying that they're not going to be able to, to come back and play. All Mountain West. Yes, all in the Mountain West. I mean, there's no, been no decision for the Pac-12. The Pac-12 operates separate of the California state school system. So the Pac-12 incorporates teams like USC, UCLA, Cal Berkeley, if, if I'm missing anybody else, uh, but those are the, the main, Stanford, thank you. Uh, those are the four main teams in California that could potentially be affected. But most recently, uh, the governor from California has come out and said that they're going to be airing a return uh, for professional sports sometime in June. So I don't know if that could potentially pave the way for the Pac-12 and maybe even these teams uh, like Fresno State, that are affected by the California state school system, saying there will be no on-campus um, learning in the fall. I don't know if that paves the way for them, but that's definitely an interesting development. So, yeah, that, that's the, the most recent stuff uh, for sports and coronavirus as, as far as college sports is concerned. I know the MLB, we'll get into it a little bit later uh, in depth, they've come out and said that they're going to think about doing a shortened season, an 82-game season, which uh, some players have commented on whether or not they're in favor of, but uh, they've come out and said that there's a path to them coming back, and with California saying that professional sports can come back in addition to uh, Arizona, as we mentioned, and USC talk, and Florida already coming back, having the USC events, uh, that could pave the way for the NBA to come back, as we were talking about earlier. So a lot of interesting developments. A lot of it is positive so far but keep in mind a lot of these states are just uh, reopening and the numbers uh, for coronavirus cases that that's still something to be monitored to see whether or not there's a spike and if this could potentially affect uh, sports coming back but so far so good i'm going to stay on the positive side for this one because i definitely want to see college football and the nba come back now that there's some life there yeah, yeah that's the update it's it's good. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to have all pro sports now just because of all the money that gets pumped into it. As far as college, man, <clears throat> like you said, with no physical classes, it's tough. It's 
it's going to expose the NCAA a little more, I would say, as yeah. far as like, yeah. look, this is where our money comes from. Some campuses have already said we will have football. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's the, the Alabama. Yeah. That's the moneymaker. I think even West Virginia said it, um, but that's the moneymaker. And as far as for the schools that you mentioned, they are all D1. But like you said, in the Mountain West Conference, which is a conference that's usually, I mean, it's, it does, I think it gets aired on CBSS, but it doesn't CBS get, Sports. yeah, it doesn't get too, too much exposure. And I mean, that'd be terrible if, if it ends up happening. I know it wasn't a for sure thing that they were still going to try and meet with the conference and see if they could make something work. But um, it, things are looking bright for uh, pro sports now. We'll just have to see the way their commissioners um, decide on how to handle the season oh. as far as l- length. So, so one thing I'm I'm kind of interested in, and I didn't touch on it, but I'll, I'll open it up, you know, for discussion. Is let's just say hypothetically speaking, college sports is is nixed in the state of California to include the Pac-12. Do you think the NCAA? I, would be inclined to allow these players to transfer outwards for their senior years and, and guys who are thinking about going to the NFL draft, you know, just because their school can't come back, that that would be a, a really big uh, damper on somebody's career who's trying to, you know, turn from a, a, a third-day pick to a, a day-one pick. Oh. You know, not that jump makes, but if, if the Pac-12 can't come back, you know, do you see players transfer out of the state of California? The the big problem is how soon does that get rolling? Uh, we, yeah. they they would need answers soon. I mean the got to make a the, decision. The college football season starts what late se- last week of September, I believe, or oh, maybe spring ball that should have been coming up already. Yeah, but we're not even counting spring ball. I'm talking about actual games. Um, it's yeah, September. They they would have to make a decision quick so these players could transfer and get to their new schools, enrolled and. Yeah. You know the all all that all that comes with it all the, all the bells and whistles that comes with it, so uh, it would be the best scenario for sure because you don't want these athletes just to miss out like 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 some athletes did with their senior year of basketball and not not getting the tournament. Now these kids wouldn't even get a whole season, right? But how quick yeah. could how quick could that get going? You know you know how it is with with schools and paperwork and it's. They would need the decision. It's I don't know. It's 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 definitely the the route that would make the most sense. But it's it's a lot of work, and they would need a decision uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, I got a little devil's advocate question for both of y'all. Let's just say the NCAA comes out with some sort of ruling where they say, "Hey, we're not going to have football this year, college football." Teams like the Oh, the leagues like the SEC have already said we don't need necessarily all the other teams to start going again. Do you think it would be a possibility that we will start seeing different colleges remove themselves from the NCAA and start a different league of some sorts to get football rolling this season? I think that's you know a, a possibility, definitely, regardless of what happens. Uh, with this coronavirus thing, Justin, I think you hit on a pretty interesting topic. I think these these uh, schools are finding out that they can operate independently of the the NCAA, and they don't necessarily need this this governing body. They can operate as a conference, or they can operate you know more regionally and create their own league. So yeah, I don't know if it'll happen this season necessarily, 
Uh, but I do think that that's something that'll come in the future. I think the NCAA is on the way to becoming disbanded, possibly. Possibly. Yeah, so if somebody does that, it would be the end of the NCAA, I'll tell you that much. And if anybody were to do it, it would have to be the SEC, who is deemed to be the most powerful and exciting to watch, gets the most exposure. Now, here's the thing. All these BCS bowl games, let's say there's no there's no uh, college football, all that money that they give them for these bowl games, all the, I yeah. mean, would they be able to recover? Some teams need this money to oh. to be financially stable. Not everybody's getting the same, you know, grants and uh, endowments that everyone else well, yeah, gets. Some, some programs need to go and lose to LSU sixty three to zero in week two to have a football program <laughs> and get that million dollar payment or whatever. Yeah, so yeah, Citadel. We don't got to name teams. <laughs> That's what. That's the first name that came to mind. Like they, they go and get by Auburn once a year. Yeah. Hey, um, but yeah, the the. I don't think that that could happen this season. I haven't looked too much into that topic or know much about it. But I know that if, if they were trying to detach themselves from the NCAA and salvage, uh, twenty twenty season, if if the NCAA says there will be no football, they would have to move like college football to. A later, you know, a later month, maybe have it played in the in the spring. I don't know. Like it would be too soon to have it starting in August, September, like it usually does. Yeah. They're gonna be detaching themselves from the NCAA. Plus, I'm sure there's lawsuits that are gonna come with that. There's no way that's possible this year. Yeah. Because I'm sure the NCAA is gonna fight that tooth and nail. No doubt. Anybody else got any uh corona updates that they need uh talk about here i no. think that's it just you know hopefully uh more more sports coming back and i know it's good for sports man bars bars are opening up on friday i, I believe here yeah. in texas and there's yeah. bars and sports go ahead and have man right. all right all right going into our next topic we're going to go with nba talk uh this week um something Personally, I don't think anybody's ever seen because I, I I've never heard of this before. But a uh, basketball player, Spencer Dinwiddie, said he's going to start a GoFundMe, and he has a goal of of making twenty two million is what he wants, and he will let the fans decide where he plays next. Have you ever heard of anything like this before, where a, a player said, you know? Um, I'm going to raise this much and the fans will choose. I know with endorsement deals, you know, you might be able to get some leeway. Hey, we want you to play here because it's marketable, more marketable. But where the fans, based on Bitcoin, not only that, 22 million in Bitcoin. Very specific. Very specific. Yeah, and I've never seen anything like this before. This is very, very 2020. And actually, it's uh, so the 22 million, or I think it might be 22 or 24. That that's like two two point five thousand uh, bitcoins. So the two point five thousand bitcoins equates to that 24 million. And kind of what he's saying is, he'll take the league minimum anywhere if the, these fans can raise this much bitcoin. If, if he can get up to the 20 some million in bitcoin that he's looking for, mm-hmm. he'll sign a minimum contract anywhere in the NBA for on a one-year deal kind of because that that money would kind of equate to what he might be able to make out in the open market and he even came out and said that he would 
prefer it if no NBA personnel or anybody that had anything to do with an NBA team, he would appreciate it if they would refrain from voting because he thinks that this is a once in, an op- once in a lifetime opportunity for fans to decide where he gets to play. He, he's looking at this, like Justin, you mentioned, as an endorsement deal. He's looking at this as fans sponsoring him and donating for his cause so he can choose where to play. And he's looking at the minimum contract also as a way to help out the team that he joins. Um, so they can they can build around him or add more pieces. That's that's interesting. The way that the the, the way that the the money transfers from Bitcoin to like what it would be in actual money. <clears throat> I mean that that makes it a lot more reasonable because the number of Bitcoin just sounds ridiculous. <laughs> um, and him saying I would appreciate it if no NBA exec or anybody involved with the team. Uh, didn't vote. I mean, there too many things, or it's too many pieces. Um, yeah, <laughs> there's no way this would happen. And if I gave him twenty bucks and voted for him to go to the Rockets, and he chooses the Grizzlies, do I get my twenty bucks back? Huh? No. No. Huh? No. I, I think it's just going to be an overall fan vote at that point. He's not going to meet but his goal. He's not. If he doesn't meet. I'm glad you said that. If he doesn't meet the goal, it goes to charity. So okay. I hope he meets the goal just so we can see how it plays out. Because I think the money would No, hey, don't you want to see how it plays out? It would be a certain I do. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. The, the NBA is like making protocol for this shit. He should have just said it once he raised the money. But I mean you can't raise the money without without the the, the reasoning behind it. Um I hope he gets it just for that so we could see it all play out, but I don't think he will. Uh, some interesting characters on that Nets team. You got Dinwiddie, you got Kyrie Irving, the flat earther. Hey, mm-hmm. hey, you know what he's saying? I'll take a minimum to get the hell out of here, bro. Get me a- <laughs> See, there I you go. The the twist. I want the ball, okay? Here's I'll the thing. Uh, I think Roland uh, asked you for an update this week, and I think he was only at a few hundred raised, right? Yeah, I, I checked it, uh, I think, on Sunday or yesterday. And he was at $975. That was like at noon on Sunday out of the, the 22 or $24 million goal. So, yeah, he's a far cry from his goal. But, yeah, uh, I yeah. Think good idea. Interesting idea. Serious. You know, with his social media age, I think it would be interesting if, let's say, he does raise that $22 million, uh, People will know him because of that. Would he become an all-star based on fan vote at that point because of what he's done here raising this money? I, I think he's closer to being an all-star based on his statistics yeah. than his fan vote. I mean, he he's averaging twenty a game. Yeah. So, yeah. and if he if you're going to be getting him on a minimum contract, I mean, like Roland mentioned, it benefits any team that he goes to. It does, but there's no way that they let this play out. There's no way. It, it will change him too. He's not it having to pay. But li- listen, he does not like being teammates with Kyrie. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's <laughs> He's thinking way outside the box just to try and hey, get he's still under contract with the Nets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it, man, it's crazy. But it benefits him too, I think, because he's probably not going to have to face the taxes of an NBA contract. He's probably not going to have to pay uh, the other uh, elements that you have to pay when you get an NBA contract. That's not going to be coming out of this big check here. I wonder who helped him come up with this idea. Huh? I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall when they were coming up with this idea. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, keeping it with the NBA, um, segments that we've been talking about is the whole the NBA versus college. Uh, and 
we're talking about UCLA. Um, UCLA could be at a big gain here if Maker uh, Maker Maker opts for college instead of going to the NBA Pathways program. What do y'all think about that? It seems like we've been talking about UCLA against the NBA. I mean, I'll, I'll let all that roll and kick off the subject, but all the players that it have been that going to that program have been committed to UCLA. Yeah, yeah. Jalen Green, he was the the player that kicked off the whole uh, going to the G League instead of going to uh, college, and he was the the number one prospect, and he was signed up to go to UCLA, and then the, his teammate followed him. So yeah, uh, maker maker. But here, this this is a little bit different, and it's kind of just showing you the NCAA is trying to be a little bit more lenient, I guess. This is a guy that was eligible to go to the NBA based on his age. He's 19 years old, international prospect. And he was actually planning on, you know, going to all of these showcases that were upcoming, uh, kind of leading up to the combine and whatnot. There's a couple of international showcases that he was going to be able to go to and show his, you know, show his talent. Because despite him declaring for the draft, looking at his draft profile, he he's like fringe draft guy like he's a fringe draftable guy like he's not a certain 100 percent. he's going to get picked in the first round kind of a guy so he's saying since i'm not able to go to these showcases and show my talent and solidify my draft choice i think i'm going to go to college instead and he wants to go to ucla so the ncaa has i think extended the window uh, for these players to you know decide to go to school um otherwise it's kind of up in the air right now but that's kind of one of the things that we were talking about in terms of NCAA versus uh, the NBA and other pro sports is, you know, giving some leniency when it comes to uh, declaring for the draft and uh, whether or not you actually get drafted, sign with an agent, but still giving the prospect the ability to go back to school. So this is kind of one example of that, um, except he's not like going to the G League or anything. He was actually draft eligible, but since he wasn't able to go to these showcases, He's trying to circle back and go to school, so that that's yeah. kind of how this this topic ar- uh, arose. But uh, it's in, an interesting development if he's able to get in. It's it. We saw that with the NFL draft. A lot of uh, the undrafted players. I mean, teams. I know the Texans only signed four undrafted players, and it was the lowest because they didn't get to really talk to them. The combine. This thing has messed everything up. Um, you're not mm-hmm. able to. Obviously, this guy couldn't make the tournaments that were canceled due to coronavirus. I know it was like some Nike international tournaments and uh, several several big tournaments where scouts definitely show up. Definitely. And with the NBA, there's only two rounds. So, I mean, if you're not if you're not one of the top, like, well, how many picks is it total? Like sixty five or I'm not sure how seventy two. Yeah, something like that. But if you're not one of the top sixty two guys, I mean, you're you're not getting drafted. So it's crucial to get that that extra look, and if and if you can't go to those showcases, and college is the next thing. Now let's see, college basketball doesn't start until November, so let's see if college basketball comes back. You know, they they have a bigger window than than college football. Yep. They could see NFL, they could see NBA start for a bit, and then they could you know make their plans and see how they're going to handle it. So it seems to be the best route for him and. I don't know how much UCLA is paying recruits to go to UCLA, but um, damn. <laughs> damn. Yeah, like, what, what is UCLA? Like, what? Is Calipari have, UCLA? What's the problem there? 
Well, I guess they have the allure and, you know, the whole uh, John Wooden thing, I guess they're, they're still trying to, to harp on, but they're, they're always going to have that kind of aura around that program. It's I know Hollywood, man. Years past, it hasn't been there. Yeah, it's Hollywood too, but, you know, just to finish up on Maker, it says here in this article that I'm reading that he's finishing up coursework, coursework somewhere in, in California so he can try and obtain eligibility for the NCAA. So he, he's working towards uh, finishing up his, his high school coursework or the equivalent of uh, so he can become eligible. So more to come on him. And I, I don't know if he's uh, related to the Maker family. I think he's like a cousin or something. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's a cousin. Yeah. And that's just interesting because you would think uh, you're eligible straight to the NBA, right? But everyone has a different reason. Here, here's where we talked about the the college college having to you know M- show those tricks out their sleeves and uh, ex- expand the portal. You know the the time for these guys to make yep. their decisions. It's they're pretty much at their mercy now. Hey, we lost two. Yep. If we can get you, bro, you know it, UCLA is going to be on TV. Yeah. So. Um, some rumors throughout the week. We had uh, several players from the Lakers return to the practice facility, and they were working out. Um, the other thing we had was Chris Paul um, talking about players wanting to return really bad. Um, I know we touched a little bit about this during the sports Corona update, but um, what do y'all think about that? Having California players coming back, and now Chris Paul saying, "Hey, all these players." They want to come back really bad and finish the season. Yeah, I, I think it's a good sign, especially the whole uh, the California and the Lakers coming back. Since California, I guess from the, the start of this whole thing, has come out and been one of the more stricter states in terms of the uh, stay-at-home mandates and whatnot. So the Lakers actually getting clearance to come back is a good sign uh, for the NBA as a whole. I think I don't think the Clippers have opened up yet, but. If the Lakers have, I'm sure the, the Clippers are, are about to get in there. And then with, you know, Chris Paul coming out and saying that the players really want to get back. I know there's been some other leagues out there. I think the Premier League said that there's a, a group of people or a group of players, actually, that didn't want to come back. I think that included um, Aguero from Man City. So there are some players in some sports that are still scared, but it seems like for the most part, or not scared, but they just don't want to come back. But it seems like for the most part, uh, the NBA and their players are just itching to get back. I mean, they were at, at, uh, entering the climax of their season. They're, they're like 55 games through or 51 games, I think was the number. They're getting right, right to the nitty-gritty um, of their season. So um, I, I think they're eager to finish, and, and they want to get some, some closure, as LeBron has been saying. And I know we were egging on him, but uh, I, hey, he's, he, his weight, and him throw. I don't know if this is a result of that, but I think him uh, staying on the topic and staying and positive and saying that we're going to come back, we're going to come back. I, I think it's kind of helped, and it, it's kept the idea of the NBA coming back alive. At least having this, uh, or having your best player in the whole league or the face of the NBA come out and say that they still want to come back. Because at first I was surprised that LeBron was saying that because he's such a. Um, He's a social activist. He, he likes to get out there and, and give his opinion on things uh, when it comes to these social issues and things that are affecting the world. And I was surprised that he wanted to come back because usually the message that was coming from the celebrities was stay at home, stay at home, don't, you know, don't go out. And he was still saying that, but he still wanted to go out and play sports. So I, I thought it was a little conflicting coming from him, but hey, it's worked. And it looks like we're going to get the NBA back. So. 
Um, I'm all for it. Thanks, LeBron. Yeah, he's he's been pushing it hard even since they first asked him about would you play with fans in the stands. He was like, there better be fans in the stands. I'm not playing with no fans in the stands. But it doesn't surprise me that LeBron's wanted to come back, and I know it had been him, him, him harping on it because obviously the position that they're in and it's his best chance to win a yeah. title. He's, he's set up with the team as far as his his supporting cast. Uh, it's the best that he's had in the last three years. So yep. he's set up. That doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me that Chris Paul comes out and talks about it. Obviously, Chris Paul wasn't even supposed to be on the playoffs this year. He didn't even know if he was going to be on the Thunder. He's LeBron's best friend. He's getting a good Christmas gift. Um, and he's also, I think, the president of the Players Association. So if he's coming out and talking... You know, it's it's another big nod, just like Roland said about LeBron. Uh, but yeah, I mean, all these players are coming out. Uh, states are starting to open. I don't expect it to happen uh, in June, but maybe towards the end of the July, maybe the 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 season could get back, and then we'll see if they just go straight to playoffs. If they play five games and then go to playoffs, because I know not all of the teams have the same yeah. amount of games played, and there's half a game separating. A home, home, yeah. home court advantage in the West between the Mavs, the Jazz, and the Rockets. I know that. Or the Thunder. I, I think I, I agree. I think you have to kind of play out the regular season. Yeah, at, at least to, to some extent. You have to play it out. Even it out. Yeah. Yeah. Just give everybody the same amount of games. But, you don't want the players' uh, first game being a playoff game back either. Like. That and it kind of erases the regular season if you just go straight to the, to the playoffs. Because who's to say that those the seventh and eighth seeds were going to hold on? What if those guys ended up losing out and they didn't make the playoffs and you give them a pass? What if they were trending downwards and you just go straight? To the, so I don't, I'm not for just going, jumping straight to the playoffs. I, I agree with what you're saying, Ben. Um, and also, um, dang it, I blinked out. Go on for me. Well, Sorry, I don't I'll think that, I don't, it's all good, but I, I don't, I don't expect them to finish out the whole season because I believe there was 18 games left. Yeah. I don't expect I, that. But a little small sample size, let them get their groove back together and let every team have the same number of games played. That way everybody's record, the percentages, you know how the win yeah. percentage goes off of games played? That way everybody's just could be the same as far as where the percentages would lie. And, and I think what I was going to end up finishing my point was I think there's incentives on both sides, the, the owner's side and the player's side to come back because depending on how big this uh, revenue hit is, uh, we could see an effect, you know, beyond this season in terms of a, shrink, a shrunk, uh, or sh m my vocabulary is failing me right now, but the uh, salary cap is going to be shrunk yeah, next year. Shrink, it's yeah. going to be less than, it'll shrink next year, depending on the, the revenue hit that they take. So it behooves both the owners and the players to get back. I think starting this, this week, 25% of player checks are going to be held back. And there seems to be a little bit of goodwill on both sides, but I think that's only because they're both working towards, you know, coming back and playing and, and salvaging some of that potential money loss. So, yeah, I, I think we're going to end up seeing NBA back. I, I know we were steadfast in saying that there wouldn't be any NBA, but uh, we were wrong. Things progressed very quickly yeah, over the last week. It's funny how the narrative has changed. And it wasn't just only our narrative. It's just the whole media's narrative towards the NBA as the decisions are starting to it's, be made. 
It was the UFC having successful events, man. I'm telling you, it, it kick-started everything. Uh, you know, it's hard to say no against that. It's, it's These athletes are something. able to wrestle, rub bodies against each other. You know, they got tested. And it's, did you see the number of tests the UFC did? I thought I thought the number was like going to be a lot less. They ended up doing like 1,100 tests. That, so that 15,000 tests is not so far off to think about then. Yeah, and that swab that the, the the one thing I will say is that swab that they were sticking down their nose for Dana's third test before the Saturday card, it did get a lot smaller. Before <laughs> it looked like it was a damn well, foot long. Yeah, it's because uh, the, there's different companies making these uh, tests. Tests, I oh, believe. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Then. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah, man, it's, it's definitely interesting as as far as that goes. I mean, um, just curious, it's, have you it'll, all it'll seen? It'll end up being the commissioner's decision. Sorry to cut you off, Justin. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I think all the players obviously are speaking up, um, letting the commissioner know where they stand. I know they had the call, but obviously it's going to end up coming down to the commissioner. He is a very player-friendly commissioner, too. I know nobody really has problems uh, with Adam Silver. So it, it makes sense for everybody for the season, obviously, to come back. It's just can, can they... Uh, realistically, you know, handle everything that comes with bringing the season back and having the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, just curious, um, Roland, you mentioned Sergio Aguero being actively against coming back to the Premier League. Have you guys seen anybody on the NBA side actively say, I don't want to come back this season? No, I don't think I've seen anybody outspoken. I know uh, the the Utah Jazz, they decided to have uh, Bogdan Bojanovic have season-ending wrist surgery, which I thought was interesting. Uh, But that's really the only thing I've seen about players not coming back. Yeah, I haven't seen a narrative from the players other than we want back. So it's just going to be interesting. We'll see what happens. I mean, when even Curry, who's representing the Warriors and their lousy-ass record, is saying they want the season to come back... Not not many people are saying they don't want the season to come back, and that's because the Warriors don't have anything to play for. Uh, they got to pay for their new stadium that they're playing in. Yeah. So. They but like, but how many games are they actually going to play? And they won't be in the playoffs to make money out of it. I think I think everybody just wants a champion crowned, is what it seems like to me. Plus, the, I think the, they want to get that um, solidified where they definitely get their number their number two pick or yeah. number uh, one pick. And they gotta, you know, they gotta fulfill those TV contracts too. So that's the other yeah. thing. They, they yeah. gotta get that TV revenue. A lot of play that we don't normally see, you know. Yeah. Last topic with the NBA is these Last Dance uh, episodes that just finished. Uh, first thing we want to talk about is Channing Fry saying people wouldn't want to play with Michael Jordan. What do y'all think about that? People not wanting to play with one of the greatest of all times. I was going to say, I hadn't heard that since, like, it's all I've ever heard is people don't want to play with James Harden. But to think people didn't want to play with Michael Jordan, I mean, they're winning championships. I don't see why they wouldn't want to play with Michael Jordan. If a championship comes with it, sign me up. Steve Kerr got punched in the face and still wanted to play with Michael Jordan. Yeah, exactly. And it's one thing to say it from the outside looking in. I I think you talked to all of Michael Jordan's teammates, except for maybe Horace Grant, because I think there was some... Uh, lying or some backstabbing there, but if you talk to everybody that played with Jordan, they they all said that they understood kind of on the back end after they were winning championships why he was doing what he was doing. Absolutely. There's a method to his madness, and I mean, and nobody's going to listen to you if you're losing. 
obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're listening to him for a reason. He he want he repeated twice. So of course you're going to listen to the crazy guy if he's being crazy. I don't know. I think Channing Fry was maybe trolling a little bit. He he is a jokester. He likes to troll. Him and Richard Jefferson are are, are class A trolls. So. Uh, that might have been a little of what he was trying to get at, but yeah. I think he was also kind of talking about uh, just kind of the difference in the player because uh, there's there's been a lot of talk about hey uh, you know these guys are all friends today today in today's NBA everybody's buddy buddy you know these guys aren't truly competitive like they were back in the day maybe they wouldn't really react uh, or get the same um, feedback that Jordan was looking for in certain instances, maybe that wouldn't work with some of these players today, but uh, yeah, I think he was being playful for the most part. And like Ben said, sign me up if that means that I'm going to win uh, multiple championships. I think, I think Channing Fry was speaking more to, I mean, he is a troll, but I think he was speaking more to as like, who would you want to be a teammate to? And I've never heard. I mean, I, I haven't heard people say Michael Jordan was the greatest teammate. I have heard a lot of people say LeBron was a great teammate, whether it was in Miami and Cleveland and even now in L.A., uh, whether it was how he treated them when they won the title, buying everybody the championship belt, being more of a distributor, you know, not always having to have the ball. So I'm going to shoot Channing Fry some bail and say he was going that angle as far as I think if you ask people, you know, who the better teammate would be and who would be more – pleasant being a teammate of i would say it would be lebron but like i said i mean not everybody is for that though that everything that comes with 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 the grind you know what i mean like it's you don't always want to be held accountable especially when you're an nba player you know what i mean that's a problem that's happened even with my team with the rockets it happened with c between cp3 and harden now a lot of people have said that cp3 isn't the best teammate because he's very on to you and attention to detail. But that's the same kind of thing that I could see out of Jordan is like constant nagging, you know, to get better and, and work and not be lazy. And with LeBron, it's a little more laid back and he'll make you better. You're going to be open because all the attention that's drawn to him. So, yeah, you better hit your shots. But, hey, he didn't bring J.R. Smith back to the Lakers. So screw him over, and he might hold the grudge. You know what I mean? We know what Jr. did in that playoff game. Yeah, there's different forms of leadership, and you'd be crazy not to think you'd want to play with Jordan. You're going to get a ship out of it. I mean, you're going to play with him. Yeah. Hey, Channing Fry got a ship out of playing with LeBron, and he didn't play a second of the finals. So That's why he's he's caping for him. Yeah, he's got to. That's one of his boys. Same way Perkins always goes for LeBron. I mean, that's just how it is with some players. Scotty will defend Jordan over LeBron till the day he dies, and some yeah. of these guys yep. will do the same for LeBron. And that's the way teammates should be, you know? Rodman will defend Jordan over LeBron. I mean, all these guys have, you know, been heard backing their teammate, obviously. Like I said, I've never heard them say Jordan was the greatest teammate, but, you know, he's the greatest of all time, player-wise. Yeah. All right, and the last dance last night, uh, speaking of those two three-peats, Jordan was talking about, man, if we would have just signed maybe some one-year deals, we could have got that seventh. Do you think that Bulls team could have went and got that seventh against yeah. that Spurs team? And that's, um, a, and that's a shortened season, by the way, so you don't have to have these guys playing 
82 games. They're going to play the 50 games. That is what might have helped them. I'm, I'm going to go on the, the record and say no, they wouldn't have. But that is what might have helped them the shortened season. But it was just too many obstacles that last season. And it was too much emotion. It feel like everybody just left it all out that last season because they knew it was going to be it. Yeah. I don't know if it would have been the same re-signing everybody and oh, Jerry went back on his word. And it it was kind of just the perfect ending to write off into the sunset. Obviously, Michael Jordan should have retired the way a lot of these other players should have done because nothing, nothing much more came out of his career after that. You know well, what I mean? He did retire at that point and then came back later. Came back, yeah. But he should have just called it. Call, kind of like how Peyton did on top. You know, Peyton Manning with the Broncos. I wish he would have done that. But, yeah, I'm going to go on. I'm going to say no, they wouldn't have won that next year just because all the obstacles that they had to fight through to win that 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 last season. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think all of that aside, just answering Justin's question, if they signed everybody on one-year deals and brought people back, yeah, I don't see why they wouldn't have won it for you know a seventh time. If I mean, you still have Michael Jeffrey Jordan the last time that I checked, so he was still dropping 40 in the finals when, when uh, the last dance ended. So if you sign everybody back, bring them back, just disregard everything else that was going on, yeah, I think they would uh, win a seventh. It's hard to argue otherwise. Uh, I don't know if the Spurs would have been able to beat them uh, in 1999, and I say that as a Spurs fan. But uh, like Ben was saying, it was just way too much. You know, it seemed like it was the the perfect time for them just to to call it because I uh, didn't I didn't really talk about it. But Rodman, he was already gone mentally, pretty much. I mean, he was going off and doing uh, WWE or NWO shows with Hulk Hogan in the middle of the NBA Finals. He skipped practice uh, to go to uh, an <laughs> NWO so show. It's ridiculous. I mean, that is the greatest story of all time. I think that might be better than uh, going to Vegas. He yeah. NW, in the middle of the NBA Finals. He, <laughs> he definitely had the most yeah. leniency. Yeah. Yeah. Any that, that, player, that was awesome. And then you look at, you know, Scottie Pippen, who was obviously holding a grudge the whole season, decided to just, delay his uh, surgery and at the despite Jerry Krause and despite the Bulls organization uh and then you know a couple of other things that were going off like I think Luke Longley was battling a lot of injuries that year too that would have just made it difficult on the next year but uh yeah I think that was the perfect time for them they knew it um, and the, furthermore the other one was Phil Jackson he said that he wasn't coming back prior to the season he had already made it clear that this was probably going to be his last year with the well, Bulls. so jerry krause had made it clear jerry krause had yeah. made it clear too yeah and phil said i don't want to rebuild so that's me, it for me uh, one thing that i learned yeah. from it though man i lost some respect for scotty and scotty wouldn't have been scotty had jordan not been his teammate let me tell you that because quit me, a lot he didn't have the drive exactly like if, if jordan wasn't there with that tenacity that he had scotty would not have been scotty dude Hey, Jordan needed him to win championships too, though. So For sure. They he both needed, needed him, each but, other. But damn, Scotty, like just to quit the way he did on and on multiple occasions, even with the Rockets, he did it after he got paid. Like I mentioned it on a previous podcast, but after 40 games, he quit on the Rockets too. And it just seemed like Scotty, Scotty, obviously, Scotty needed Jordan more than Jordan needed Scotty, but. Damn, bro. I mean, Jordan really made them go as far as I think he just accountable. I think he just had a lot of spite, and I, I don't know if he had you know anybody to be mad at but himself for signing a bad contract. But it just seemed like you know the the whole money thing was starting to eat at him. And you look at what he did after the Bulls. He just signed a big money contract. He got paid. Yeah, that's it. 
and, and the then Rockets. he got with the Rockets. That's why he still, to this day, he's in the top 15 in terms of all-time NBA career earnings. And that's because everybody's giving him crap about that Bulls contract that he was on. He more than made up for it afterwards. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, rightfully so. Go, go get your money, Scotty. But, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Ben. I kind of, it wasn't uh, the best look. Scotty, I, yeah, I kind of look at him a little differently, especially after he came out and said that he would sit himself he on the bench. He would have done it the same. And, yeah. He would yeah, have done it that was kind of surprising that he said that again, but but I mean, yeah. I guess you got to keep it like I mean, got to keep it real. Yeah, yeah, you got to defend his actions, you know. For me, though, I think if they do the one-year contracts, it's hard, and the shortened uh, season, it's hard not to think they're not going to repeat again. Yeah. Steve Kerr doesn't end up going on the on that Spurs team that wins the next year. He's still there with the Bulls. Man, it's hard not to think they're going to not win again, but. I got to say I'm glad they did blow up because that means Phil Jackson goes to another team and you know what happens there. Mm-hmm. A little three-peat action. So, Phil Jackson loves three-peat. Yeah. All right, man. Well, that's it for NBA Talk this week. All right, man. Some NFL talk. Here we go. We got uh, not the best week for the NFL, man. Uh, a lot of off-season arrests going on. I'm just going to read off some of these arrests. We got DeAndre Baker and Quinnen Dunbar arrested for attempted robbery. Um, we also had L. Oliver, L. Oliver, the defensive tackle, arrested this week. Um, that's the Bills' defensive tackle. Uh, and Lattimore got arrested too. Cody Lattimore. That's what three, four arrests this week for the NFL. On what should be a stay-at-home situation for these guys, I don't know what's going on, guys. What do you think about these arrests? Yeah, I was gonna say everybody was doing good up until about a week ago. Uh, everybody was on their best behavior. I, I guess as soon as uh, some of these states started opening back up a little bit, they decided to to get back out there. Especially Ed Oliver's case just went for it all as soon as Texas decided to open. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. But yeah, the NFL just can't can't seem to stay out of the news cycle. I like it though. Yeah, yeah, and pretty tripped out. The Ed Oliver one, I, I know it was back in Houston. He plays for the Bills, but he was back home in Houston. Uh, we know that he went to college in Houston, so he's a legend in Houston, pretty much. But to me, it just seemed like hometown dude, big timing, trying to do do what he wants to do at home, and figuring he's going to get get out of it because. I was reading the report, and it said that the beer can was in between his legs when the cops stopped him. So, like, the dude had no shame. It was like, hey, cop, I'm at Oliver. Remember yeah. me? Yep. at Oliver. You know? So, and then he had a gun. They made him do the sobriety test outside. Uh, I, I watched the video to that, and, I mean, it, it's it just a dude thinking he has too much power, pretty much, man. It's just dumb, dumb. If, if he misses, if he misses any time to, to suspension, I think the rest of his guaranteed money on his deal is void. So he won't have any wow. more guaranteed money if he misses any time to suspension. Yeah, yeah I know the Dunbar. The Dunbar one is is uh, tricky. Also, at a party that they rob people. I know my brother's been sending me updates trying to clear Dunbar's name. Like if he's what? his attorney, I want to know how much, <laughs> I want to know how much your retainer is Leo. God, uh, I, Leo I thought it was crazy. hilarious. He, he, uh, Dunbar was giving an interview apparently hours after the reported, um, the reported robbery saying that he was a good stand up guy and everything talking about his character and whatnot. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. He said he wants it to is prove. true. Allegedly. Yeah. yeah Roland, you sent me that and I was thinking, man, that's funny, man. 
He said he wants to prove his character on the field to the Seahawks. But, I mean, brother, just your play on the field doesn't excuse everything you do off the field. Now, like I said, my brother's been keeping me updated. And there's, like, sworn alpha David saying that he wasn't a part of it now. I don't know how much he paid them off to clear his name. But, um, yeah, it's just a bad week for the NFL as far as uh, headlines with the law. They were doing good, though. They were doing good. Yeah. All right, man. Well, enough of that. Let's get into some free agency. This week, uh, Ty Montgomery, uh, the ex-Packer, signed with the Saints. Um, Harris, the Viking safety, signed a franchise deal worth 11 mil. And now the Vikings are working on signing Dalvin Cook. Um, should Dalvin get a monster deal? Are you all for paying your running back big money? Or is that a, like we said, you get away with running back by committee and pay a little less. I think I think it depends who your quarterback is. Okay. Well, I think it depends who your quarterback is. If you're what about in a the situation, caliber of the running back, though. Yeah, well, that's I was about to get to that. If you're in a situation like the Titans and the Vikings are, when you're a run-first offense, and obviously the Vikings did pay uh, Kirk Cousins a little bit more than the Titans just paid Tannehill. Uh, Tannehill's on one of the better deals for an NFL quarterback, but he's not asked to do as much. But for guys like that, that the offense runs through them, I think you got to pay up. I mean, the yep. Cowboys paid Zeke. Uh, the Giants are going to pay Saquon. These big-time guys, they got to get paid. If you're going to give them the ball 250-plus times in a season, then pay the man for all the damage he's going to take. So I, I, that's a good look for the Vikings. they got to make sure and sure that up because you don't want your season relying on the shoulder of Kirk Cousins. Yeah. It def- definitely depends on the makeup of your offense and how reliant you are on the, the running back. And in this case, Dalvin Cook is a workhorse, man. I mean, he just gets it done for them. And B, it depends on who is in your backfield. And Dalvin Cook, the last time I checked, I, I think he's a top 10 running back, top maybe seven-ish caliber, uh, maybe on the horizon. He might finish the year in the top five. So I definitely think you pay him. You pay the Zeeks of the world. Now, of course, they can go bad, and, and Dalvin Cook has had injury history at Florida State, and I think he was injured uh, this uh, not this year, but the year before. I think it was his hamstring. I know his hamstring's given him trouble. My years merge. So, he missed a, a uh, game or two this me. year, too, though. He, he blew yeah, up so. this year, but he did miss a game or two. Uh, okay, so because I know I had him on fantasy one of these last two yeah. years. It must have been the year before uh, where he, he had a really bad hamstring injury. So he does have injury history. So I was going to say that that big contract of the running back can turn bad, uh, like a la uh, Todd Gurley, and you, you end up on a different team in a couple of years. But, you know, the, the teams are, are pretty uh, pretty smart in structuring these deals to where, uh, you know, the, they get out of it before they pay the really big money if it's not coming to fruition. So, yeah, depending on how you structure the deal, and whatnot, pay Dalvin Cook. I, I think he's worth the money, and especially like Ben alluded to. I think Kirk Cousins, more than anything, needs a guy like Dalvin Cook to kind of take the pressure off of him because yep. Kirk Cousins, uh, we'll talk about quarterbacks uh, a little bit later, but I think Kirk Cousins had one of the better years of his career, and that's because he threw, I, I think, the least amount of passes that he's thrown in the past, like five years at least. He threw the ball under 500 times, and a lot of that is because they had a workhorse in Dalvin Cook. So he helped pay him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. As far as a Montgomery signing, uh, not the biggest signing, but Montgomery will end up on some people's fantasy rosters like yeah. he does every year. Just a utility week eight, guy. Week eight, you'll be scrambling for a waiver wire guy to flex, and it's going to be Montgomery with the Saints. Hey, at least now he's with a high-powered yeah. offense. At yeah. least now yeah. an offense that might get him in the end zone. That's what I'll say about I mean. that. 
I'm with you on that. <clears throat> All right, man. Uh, this week, Aaron Rodgers said he was excited to help the new draftee, Jordan Love. Is Favre trying to uh, is uh, Rodgers trying to learn from the Favre situation here? He's trying to be a little different. I, I think so, and I'm glad he came out and said that. I, I know uh, that was one of the drafts that we were kind of questioning, and, and the whole hey, you had a 13 and three team, and you didn't go out and got get better for the next year. You didn't go out and help your football team immediately. But you know, Aaron Rodgers, he, he said all the right things in terms of he said, hey, I know the, the Packers are always looking for the future. And then B, he said, Jordan Love, it's not his fault. He's not the guy that, you know, made the, the phone call and drafted him. He got drafted. So with that said, I'm going to do my best to help him out. And I'm going to do my best to try and take him under my wing and, you know, show him what I need to show him. But he also did say, and I, he was really smart about the way he was saying this, but he did say, I do plan on playing into my 40s, and I'm not sure how all of this aligns. So he already knows what's coming, but I'm glad that he came out and said that, hey, I'm not taking anything out on Jordan Love. I'm not going to be a complete dick to him and do kind of what Favre did to me and say that it's not my job to teach him. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad he's learning from his experiences as a rookie himself. Learning from experiences, and he's got a good PR guy. I'm not buying it. I, I okay. mean, good I'm time. not buying it. I just – if. You just got your team to the NFC championship game and they drafted a quarterback instead of drafting you a receiver to get you over the NFC championship game. Now they're telling you, hey, buddy, your retirement isn't going to be here. We just spent a we've spent first round capital on this guy. They might have even traded up to get him. Didn't they trade? They did. The, they did. They weren't even in the first round. They traded with the Patriots to get him. This is a big sign towards Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I'll help him. Fine. My now I'm looking out for myself too. I think him in his head now he's saying, okay, what's my exit strategy? They just well, started like, making yeah. me think about my exit strategy. We've seen Brady leave the Patriots and go play with the Bucks. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers had beef with McCarthy. Uh, now it's a new coach there. And damn, if you want to rub Aaron Rodgers the wrong way, I'm not saying it was all up to the coach, but go get a quarterback, bro. Um, yeah. Definitely not a guy who needed uncertainty at the level that he's still playing at and where he had that team. Um, I think that he did say the right things. Hopefully he helps the guy out. I All I've heard from Aaron Rodgers is that he's more of a prick. Um, so I, I haven't heard too many good yes. stories unless Danica Patrick is telling it, but because his family won't even give you good stories, bro. I mean, they all have non-disclosures. They can't even talk about him. So I'm not buying it. I'm not buying yeah. it. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers, definitely, you know, a smug guy to say the least, uh, easy to rub the wrong way, but at least, you know, just coming out, like Ben said, sure. He did, probably does have a good PR guy, but again, I just like a guy a veteran in this league just coming out and, you know, saying, hey, I'm not taking anything out on this rookie. I'm going to do whatever I can to help him. Knowing, like you said, hey, his time in, in Green Bay or his days are numbered for all intents and purposes. He said he wants to play into his 40s. He's, what, 35 right now, 36? So that's obviously not going to happen in Green Bay if he wants and to play. He's into shown his that he can play into his 40s. That's oh, yeah. what we've Hell been yeah. able to see from him, yeah. bro. Give him the weapons that Brady now has in Tampa Bay. Imagine if it was Rodgers to Tampa Bay instead of Brady. I think the Buccaneers would be the favorite to win the Super Bowl if Aaron Rodgers was in Tampa Bay instead of Brady with yep. those weapons. So, 
So Aaron Rodgers, he's, his exit strategy is now in play. It's going to be interesting. Let's see where he ends up, man. Hey, Peyton Manning left the Colts. Brady left the Patriots. And now we know Aaron Rodgers is going to leave the Packers. All right. Keeping it with quarterback talk, this week Stephen Jones said Dak Prescott's contract is the elephant in the room. Man, yeah. so, I mean, they're they're just making it uncomfortable at this point. They're just saying, hey, yeah. this is the focus of our I, team right now. Dak's horrible, I dear. Wish, I wish they would just stop talking about it. Personally, I'm a Cowboys fan, and each, each time the Cowboys come out and talk about this, specifically – uh, Stephen Jones, it just gets cringier and cringier each time. And I'm just saying this from a Cowboys fan perspective. Calling it the elephant in the room, everybody knows that. Like, there's no need to be coming out and saying that kind of stuff. Uh, I had more problem with what he said about the percentage of the cap being allotted to a quarterback and having to play that number game. I had a little bit more issue with that. Um, but this is just that, whatever. Yeah. Um, real quick, I just wanted to touch on the on the Cook thing. 24 years old, Dalvin Cook. So as far as we're talking about that, the payment, I know I, I passed over it, but I just saw it in my notes. I mean, he's 24 years old, and this year, the last year of his rookie deal, he's making 1.3 mil. So to be making that amount of money and be getting the production that they're getting, that they got out of him last year and that they might probably, I mean, they're expecting to get this last season, um, they're going to have to pay the dude for his age. Uh, he, he's definitely got one good contract left in him at least, I would say. If you're touching the ball over 300 times, yeah, you definitely need to get paid. But yeah, on the whole Dak thing too, just to finish up my thought on that, um, it, it just it makes me feel kind of uncomfortable in terms of how the, it seems like the Cowboys don't really believe in Dak. Otherwise, I feel like they would have already just gotten out and gotten the deal done. It seems like there's a little bit of hesitancy. Like they, they almost don't think that he's a, um, a top 10 quarterback in this league or a top quarterback in this league. So it's just kind of interesting to me just listening to all the kind of different comments that are coming out of the Cowboys camp and what they could potentially mean. I know we had talked about Kirk Cousins telling him not to be scared of the tag, and I compare it to a lot. I compare this a lot to the way that the Redskins were treating um, Cousins up to that leading up to his contract. You know, he signed the tag. They didn't know if they wanted to commit to him. Obviously, they weren't yeah. offering him the money of being the highest paid quarterback like the Cowboys have already offered Dak, right? Dak just thinks that he's at that 40 million a year uh, bracket, but it's, they're putting the pressure on him, man. They're really putting the pressure on him. They have until July 15th to get that long-term deal done. I remember yeah. I had mentioned it on the podcast, but I hadn't given the exact date. So until July 15th, if they don't get a long-term deal, he's going to be playing under that tag. And then comes all the pressure of staying healthy, Will he play a little more cautious? He has the weapons. If he balls out, are the Cowboys going to be forced to pay him 40 mil? If he if he has a better season than he did last year, he's going to end up playing under the tag. Is my prediction for this year? I don't think that they're going to. I don't think the Cowboys are going to budge and pay him that 40 that he wants. I think if he goes out there and balls with the weapons that he has, gets into the second round, maybe the NFC title game, then he can get the 40 mil that he wanted. He's going to have to bet on himself. He's going to be making, uh, with the tag, it's going to be 35, 35 mil a year. Or no, 31.4 mil. 31. 31. Yeah. The highest paid quarterback right now is Russell Wilson at 35 a year. And I know that the yep. Cowboys had offered Dak 
to be higher paid than Russell Wilson. So for Dak, man, he's gambling on himself over $4 million a year. Um, I don't know if he's going to find a better situation than what he has right now with the Cowboys. I w- personally, I would sign that contract at the $36 million a year. As soon as Mahomes gets his contract, he's going to be the highest paid. But, hey, the Cowboys want to make you the highest paid quarterback for the month, for the couple months that it's going to last. Take the deal, man. Take the deal. Yeah. All right, man. Well, this week, as you all know, we have a Twitter. If you haven't followed us, it's at We Talking Sports One. We released a poll and we asked, is Dak a top 10 quarterback on that poll? The poll came out to be 52 to 48% in favor of no. So this uh, this started to get me asking, what are y'all's, you Ben, you Rollins, top five quarterbacks going into the 2020 season? All right. Well, I think that we should all name our one and then all name our two and then all name our three and then all name our four and five. Instead of just everybody going one through five, let's all just name our one, see how much we have in common. We can debate a little bit of where we have the difference, all right? All right, go ahead, Ben. So I'm going to start it, and at one, I have Mahomes as the best quarterback in the league. I don't I don't know if we're going to have much debate there. Roland. No, I got Mahomes also. I think that's fair. Mahomes is number one. All right. Well, number who wants two. to go two first? Let's go Roland, Roland. first. Uh, number two, uh, this one's pretty, uh, it's questionable, but I just went number two based off of what he did this past year and where I think he's going to be going forward with his career. It's uh, Russell Wilson. Okay, fair play. Ben, number Russell. two. At number two, and obviously my list, and we should have clarified a little bit of this. This is going into the 20, is it 2020, 2021 season? Going into this, that season. It, 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 our lists are pretty much the same. I, I know what you're going to get into, but um, well, I think for, you know, this list is who we think are the top quarterbacks for the 2021 season. Right. Uh, we can put weight on whatever we think weighs more. If somebody wants to put weight on past performance, that's fine. If somebody wants to put all their weight on potential, that's fine. I think we'll see that in the rankings as we go through these. Yeah, we're all going to so have our different reasonings for why we placed them yeah. there. So, that's, so yeah. when you do place somebody and it's different, give me the reason of what put you yeah. put them there. At, at number two for me, and Ro- when Roland said based on what he did last season, I was like, damn, we're actually going to have the same number two. But I've got the MVP of the NFL, man. In his second year in the league, at number two, I got Lamar. I just like everything that he can do. I think you can plug him in on any team. And he automatically makes that team more dangerous. So at number two for quarterbacks, I got Lamar. Yeah, I I don't have Lamar in my top five. So there's gonna there's a big disagreement there for me. And the main reason is when you just look at being a quarterback. You know, there's still some things that Lamar Jackson struggles with in terms of breaking into my top five. And you'll see kind of how I rated these guys, where I wouldn't put Lamar above them, even based off of what he did last year. Well, Russell Wilson, what you get with him is he can make all the down-the-field throws. He can make all the throws in the tight windows. He's going to buy you more time in the pocket. Lamar Jackson does does that himself maybe better, probably better. He's younger and faster. Uh, but Russell Wilson can make all the big-time throws that you want out of your 
signal caller and your quarterback. And he has that clutch ability. Lamar Jackson, I don't know, that clutch ability is there. We saw he got a little shut down in the playoffs. I don't know if shut down is the right word, but he was he was um, bottled up to say the least. And I still question if he can make those big time throws on a consistent basis into tight windows. So that's why I, I would not have him in my top five. Yeah, for the most part, he hasn't been asked to make the big time throws just because it's always third and two, third and three. It's never he's never in that situation. And obviously, his team's built better, built better than Russell Wilson's. But at number two, I mean, you're the MVP of the league. You're the most valuable player in the National Football League. I know that quarterback means throwing the ball, but this dude broke all of Michael Vick's records. If you can throw the ball and you can run the ball for me, hey, I don't care how we get in the end zone, man. Let's get in the end zone. So that's why I have Lamar as number two, just ultimate game changer. The defense, I mean, I just in Madden, bro, I, I almost want to throw my remote when I line up against Lamar Jackson. It's, it's a pain. So I could imagine what these players feel in real life, getting juked out of their shoes and being put on highlight reels. Now, I know that his playoff run didn't end too well. That's the same Titans team that went through Brady. I'm sure somebody's going to have Brady in their top five, if not all of us. But, yeah, he didn't fare too well in the playoffs. As far as what he can do on the field, though, man, I don't think Russell Wilson can do everything that Lamar Jackson can do. on the As an athlete, obviously Lamar Jackson, the better athlete than Russell Wilson. As a passer, Russell Wilson, hands down, the better passer. And Russell Wilson's number three for me. I know, Justin, you're still got to go number two, but... No, no, I just, just got, y'all's list. I got the MVP at number two, man. I got, I got Lamar Jackson at number two. All right. Well, you got three, Russell Wilson, you just said. I got Russell Wilson at three. Rolling your three? My three is uh, Aaron Rodgers. I, I think uh, before Pat Mahomes, he was probably the best uh, pure arm talent that the NFL has ever seen. Just went 13-3 and three last year. The one thing that I will say is, he does take a lot of chances. He, he does make a, a lot of uh, throws in tight window situations, which sometimes lead to interceptions. But as far as pure arm talent as a signal caller going into the 2021 season, uh, I'd still take Aaron Rodgers over just about anybody other than the, the two guys that I named before him. All right. And your number four? My number four uh, is Brady. And a lot of this is respect, a GOAT status. Um, I don't really think he had a drop-off last year. He was top 10 in a lot of the major metrics last year. He was still top 10 in passing yards. He still threw 24 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and he arguably had uh, one of the weaker supporting casts out of any of the top quarterbacks in the league, and he still found a way to get the job done, still pushing the ball down the field and being accurate with the ball. So, yeah, Tom Brady's my number four still. Ben, give me your number four. At four, I got Rodgers, so... Um, not that far off from Roland. I mean, as far as throwing into those tight windows, like I mentioned before, if, if Rodgers was on the on the Bucks, I think the Bucks would be the favorite to win the Super Bowl over the Chiefs. You got to throw into tight windows when you're throwing to no names, man, and they can't create separation. So for Aaron Rodgers, like we said, to be doing it, getting them to the AFC title game, I know it wasn't the greatest of showings against the 49ers. And he probably should have dove on that fumble that he fumbled from under center and stuff. But when you're throwing to Lazard, yeah, Adams is a beast, but he doesn't have much to work with. And like him on any other team, man, I'm excited now that he knows that he's got he's got to get out of Green Bay. Let's see where he ends up. 
Because if he ends up on a team that's stacked, he might be able to get that Super Bowl the way Peyton did leaving the Colts, the way maybe Brady might leaving the Patriots with the Bucks. So I'm interested to see where Rodgers ends up. All right, give me your number five. For five, I'm going to go with the hometown team. I'm going to go with Watson. I'm going to keep the little theme of young QBs. Um, I got Watson at number five. It was it was close just based on the other guy and everything that he's accomplished. Uh, obviously, though, I don't want that quarterback at 42 years old. I don't want Brady. So Watson top, uh, just topped out my top five. He's number five for me. Uh, top five, uh, sticking with my theme, uh, giving respect. And also, it's not even just giving respect. It's what he did last year also, despite his injuries. I still have Drew Brees. Yeah. Uh, still, the, still the most accurate quarterback in the league by far. Uh, finished at the top of the league in accuracy. Still pushing the ball down the field. Uh, missed, eight games, missed eight games due to injury. Um, really, I mean, he has Michael Thomas as his main weapon and uh, Alvin Kamara out of the backfield. But Drew Brees still finds a way to get it done. Again, still the most accurate quarterback in the league right now. I would still take him over, you know, guys like Deshaun Deshaun Watson and uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, But those guys aren't far off my list uh, right now. But this is just who I would want under center, you know, starting week one for me in 2020. And um, so, yeah, that's my top five right there. I've rounded out with Drew Brees. You know, I, I know y'all had different top fives. I like that y'all had different reasonings and opinions of why you would put them in your top fives. It kind of shows me of what y'all value most, you know, maybe for your team or just, just what you'd like to see more. That was a good top five. Um, and this started to make me think, I think this week we should release on Twitter um uh, give me your top five to the people who are following us so we can see what are their reactions. Yeah, yeah that's kind of gauging to see what what they value, you know? Who are your top five, Justin? Give us yours. Man, if I had to do top five, Mahomes one, Russ two, three Brady, four Breeze, five Rodgers. And that's just just right there. I mean, that's, those are the guys that I think uh, can win you win you something. Yeah, who, who do you want starting a playoff game for you, uh, Drew Brees or Lamar Jackson? Well, between, neither one between of, those two, neither won a playoff game last year, so I don't think it. But, I mean, I mean, but still, who do you want? I don't think that I don't think that Drew Brees can throw twenty five yards downfield. So give me Lamar Jackson, man. I'm gonna. T- I don't want the forty plus year old quarterback starting the playoff game for me if I can have the young stud. All day. Uh, I mean, he doesn't have a noodle I'll arm, man. Bro, yeah, I'll throw degrees all day. <laughs> he's thinking, he's thinking and dunk, man. He missed eight games. The dude missed eight games and lost a playoff game to Kirk Cousins. I and mean, we're gonna take him over the MVP of the league. He lost to the Vikings. I know. That's fine. Not Kirk Cousins. Well, for me, and, I go uh, Drew Brees just because he's Kirk already won a Super Bowl. I mean, I just go. That's yeah. He was already won in the and playoffs. You know, for, just, what for what it's worth, you know, I. I I have Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson at six and seven, respectively. And for um, what it's I just worth, that, I have Brady and Breeze at six and seven. So, yeah. I I just need these guys to give me a little bit more in terms of being quarterbacks you in, know, in the league. And, and the but thing they, of it is, we ask five people, we're going to get five different lists. Yeah. It's just the way and it is with this. The the thing is, when you say that you want them to give you more, well, they don't have the seventeen year career that Brady and Breeze already have under their belt. So exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So, so then your what, list just goes off. And your list goes off past merit. But I mean, Brady and Breeze didn't win a playoff game this year either. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. It's, it's give or take. It's you're give kind or of, take. You're like, what have you done for me lately? And we're kind of more on the, what have they done over their career? And, right. And yeah. hey, I, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to find out this season, man, because Brady yeah. now has the weapons. We all said he didn't do it last year because he didn't have the weapons. I have them in the NFC title game. So I have high expectations for Brady. Breeze, on the other hand, uh, he's on his way out, on, on, according to me. All right. Hey, but that begs the question, though: Is Dak top ten? Let's get into the let's get into six through ten. We'll do that next week, then six through ten. Oh, do you, do you have a six through ten right now, Roland, or you want to wait till next week? Uh, I mean, I have six through thirteen, but I have. We can just do it real quick. I'm not going to spend much time on it. Just, just there's no explanation. Just give me six through ten. Because the poll question yeah, so is: Is Dak top ten? I have. I have Lamar. I have Lamar Jackson at number six, the reigning MVP. Uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, top six in accuracy, dual threat quarterback um, at number seven. I put him above Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's another guy that I gave a lot of weight to for what he's done in the past. Even though he's been on somewhat of a decline, still thrown for over 4,000 nine years in a row. So still getting the job done to some degree. Uh, and then number nine, Matt Stafford. I thought when he came back from his injuries this past year, he showed a lot of improvement and a guy who doesn't have a lot around him. So pure talent, pure quarterback talent. I still put Matthew Stafford at number nine and then number 10, I have Dak Prescott. Uh, I think Dak Prescott is a top 10 quarterback. The one thing that I will say about seven through 10 is they're all interchangeable. You can, I, I think you're interchangeable with either of these guys with, they're all in the top 10. It's just a matter of preference where you have them. That's Deshaun Watson, Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, and Dak, Dak Prescott. I don't think there's much separating these guys in terms of their ranking. Dak Prescott, I think he jumps into the top 10 this year with the year that he had last year. He does have a great supporting cast, but he does put up top 10 numbers. And the, the knock on him in the beginning of his career was he doesn't like to push the ball down the field. Well, he actually was in the top 10 in terms of, and I think actually top five, if I'm not mistaken, in terms of um, carried, carry, um, ball carried in the air, or that, whatever the statistic is for um, feet traveled or yards traveled in the air, excuse me, there we go, I got my thoughts together. He was the top three in that category. So he is pushing the ball down the field. He is taking chances. Uh, he does kind of fall apart, or not fall apart, but doesn't show up against your top end teams, he did fall flat in a couple of big spots uh, where his accuracy failed him, and and he uh, was about fifty percent completion percentage on some of the in some of the big games this year. So that's why I don't have him at a solidified number seven or eight, uh, but I do have him in my top ten. He puts up top ten numbers, has a good cast, but he gets the job done, and I, I would rather have him over a couple of other guys in this league. Yeah. And for me, at six, I had Brady. Um, at seven, I had Breeze. At number eight, I had Carson Wentz. At nine, I have Dak. And at 20, <clears throat> now this is for 2020 season, the way we see it playing out. Um, I'm going to go on a limb, and I see Kyler Murray being a top 10 quarterback uh, this coming year. So he did win Rookie of the Year last year. We've seen some of these quarterbacks take that big jump their sophomore year. Uh, Lamar winning his second year playing winning MVP. We know Mahomes won MVP as well. So I got I'm not saying Kyler Murray's gonna win MVP, but I think that with the weapons that he has, the offense that he's in, I think he's gonna be able to throw the ball enough to put up top 10 numbers. Uh, they're in a tough division. 
I don't know if they make the playoffs, but they definitely are getting closer to the Seahawks because I still have the 49ers winning that division. So might take a second wild card seed for them and seeing three teams out of one conference, but uh, I got Kyler Murray taking a step up this coming season. All right. Interesting. Well, yeah. that's it for NFL this week. Uh, one thing we are going to do is a new segment coming up this next week. And we're going to do uh, two NFL schedules, and uh, we're going to break them down. Uh, it's up to y'all. If if y'all tweet and ask us, hey, can you break down X team or this team, we'll go over those teams first. But uh, as far as next week, look for that under NFL, uh, the breakdown of these two team schedules. And uh, it'll be to plan. see if they're going to go under or over their Vegas total because we know Vegas sets totals out for teams, so you kind of want to pick. Are they going to go over or under? what's expected. So uh, from here on out on NFL, we'll just be hitting two team schedules uh, every podcast. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be one NFC, one AFC, just to break it down and get through them all. That'd be good. All right. But that's it for NFL talk this week. All right. Some MLB talk. I know we haven't talked much about the MLB, but um, something that has been proposed for this year to continue is an 82 game schedule. The only thing we're seeing are three issues that would uh, arise. They're Big talking issue. about a 50-50 revenue split between the owners and players, which to me, I think that's a pretty good revenue split unless the owners are being wanting to get a little more of that. Seven playoff teams per league. That means an extra round. And here's where you got no fans. And then it turns around into having a universal DH. That means both leagues would have the DH going on this season. Um, there has been some, unlike the NBA, there's been some talk from a certain player, Blake Snell, who said he won't come back and play on a reduced contract. Um, what about you guys? Do y'all think this shortened season, are y'all in favor of having this shortened season or should they just scrap the season? No, I'm in favor of anything that means that there's going to be games played. So I'm glad that the MLB is trying to find a way to get a season in, uh, even if it's shortened down to 82 games, which is a little bit more than half of their regular season, which is 162 season, or 162 games a season. So that leads, you know, to that 50-50 revenue split, which is about or a little bit more than what the current split is right now, and it leads, you know, you to believe that. Uh, the players are, you know, not going to get fully compensated uh, for for a full season. They're just going to do this straight fifty fifty split, which leads you to, you know, the Blake Snell stuff. But uh, my main, you know, kind of takeaway from the the three uh, issues or the four issues that Justin brought up um, before we get into Blake Snell was uh, I'm a big fan of this universal DH. Uh, this is something that has been pushed for for a long time, and I think it comes into play in this season in terms of, you know, protecting your pitcher. Uh, you don't want uh, your pitcher out there, uh, especially in a shortened season where you're not going to have as much recovery time. So what happens if your pitcher gets deemed? So it's a good protection uh, for the pitcher, and it, it evens the playing field for the NL and the AL. Um, I, I never quite understood why they, they had the rules the way that they did. So um, I'm, I'm excited for the MLB to be coming back. I'm interested to see... Uh, how this affects the uh, Vegas season win totals. I know that there's been a couple thrown out there, adjusted win totals, uh, and I think this is going to benefit you know, the stacked teams with a lot of depth uh, that's going to be ready for these quick turnaround games because I imagine, imagine it's going to be a condensed schedule also. So, yeah. 
Yeah, that's interesting about the wind totals. I hadn't thought about that. I wonder what they would look like. Um, as far as the baseball season, I'm for it. I'm an Astros fan. And those Yankee fans who made that traveling crew that were going to boo the Astros at every game, hey, with no fans, no luck, buddies. So the Astros won't have to deal with all the cheaters, chants, the banging on the trash cans. Um, for the baseball season, 80 games makes it better for the Astros. It eats up a year out of Cole's contract with the Yankees on less games. Listen, I'm all for the short season, bro. I think it benefits the Astros, man. So I'm with it. As far as Blake Snell, I wouldn't want to play if they were cutting my pay. I know we didn't touch on it in NBA, but I know some of the players, most of the players' pays are going to be dipped into. But I saw that some of the stars like Curry, LeBron, um, a couple of other big names, their none of their salary was going to be dipped into. So they were still going to be getting full pay. Those guys were kind of like the face of the franchise. Um, but for Blake Snell, I understand. He's not going to have to go through the grind of that 162-game season. It's only going to be 80, which pretty much cuts his starts in, in short. You know, he might not even start 15 games this season and make all that money that he's making. So I, don't, I agree with him about having his pay cut. I wouldn't want to play for it. But it also makes sense because it'd be less wear on them and it'd be one season yeah. off the books on their contract. I, I think it makes sense uh, for Blake Snow. And again, I'm never going to tell anybody or talk about an, another man's money and, and not to, you know, clamor for a, a X amount of dollars that you think that you deserve. You deserve what you think you deserve. So go out and get it. But I will say that it does make sense that if you're only playing half of the game, that you only get paid half of what your contract is worth because only half of the revenues are going to be generated. So it just only makes economic sense to do that. And I understand what Blake Snell is, is saying about, Hey, I'm going out and taking a risk, but buddy, the last time that I checked, you're not the one taking people's temperatures and you're not the one in the hospital. You're playing baseball. You're a pitcher. You're, you're going to be fine. You're, you're not taking a, a crazy likely risk or at least I don't think you are. If I'm wrong and I'm speaking out of turn, my bad, but you're, you're not out there. You're not a frontline worker. You know, you're, you're going to go out and play baseball. So let's calm down a little bit, Blake Snow, with the whole, you know, risking your life thing. But I definitely see why somebody wouldn't want their, their contract slashed in half. But to give you the flip side, Carlos Correa, he, he also has a contract and gets paid by the MLB. He's a player on the Astros. He came out and said that he thought that it was, you know, he understands where Blake Snow was coming from, but he thought that it was fair that if you're only playing 50% of the games, that you only get paid 50% of your contract. You can't expect to get paid the whole money when there's going to be no fans. I mean, not exactly. all the games exactly. are going to be on TV. But exactly. if, if if come on, Blake Smell, you're not a first responder. Hey, Stipe's a first responder. Now y'all aren't cutting him any slack. All yeah, right? That's a good tie-in. I give you props. That's a good tie-in. You had to go there, man. Give my boy Steve some props, some slack, Take not props. You might be Steve biggest fan here, man. I swear. Nah, I'm not his biggest fan. I just, hey, that's the baddest division to defend the belt in, bro. Oh, and you're right. You're right. I just have, I just understand a little more. I, hey, I'm if I, when DC was doing this, I was saying the same thing y'all were saying when DC was the one holding out because I'm not a fan of DC. But as far as baseball, I think it's going to be played. They're definitely behind all the other sports, though. I'll say that their season was on track to start and they're behind the NFL. They're behind the NBA. 
uh, they're just reacting, I think, to every other sport. Well, you know, you know it's crazy, though. Uh, go ahead, uh, Justin. I was going to say, yeah, they may be behind, but with the schedule length of the MLB, I mean, they're going to just fine as far as they have a lot more length and schedule that they're going to be fine. And, and I know, you know, different states and, you know, the United States is a different country altogether from uh, Korea, but there are other baseball leagues going out. So, you yeah. know, that there is a formula for baseball to be played under these conditions. It's the um, least contact so sport, Roland. It's the least exactly. contact. Exactly, yeah. They should yeah. be Korea's ahead of the game, playing. That's why I'm saying, though, they're way behind the eight ball here because it's the yeah, least man. contact. And I think that we might have NBA before we have baseball. That would be that would be sad for the baseball, but who knows? Hey, just a little fun fact: just because we're talking about Korea coming back with their baseball program, I don't know if you saw, and I'm not a hundred percent if this was a troll post or a real post, but someone said on Twitter that Korea, you know, they have little fans in the stands. Apparently, they accidentally were putting sex dolls in the stands. I don't know if that's true. Or what? Well, but it was like a reputable games, thing. Those so. games are broadcasted on ESPN, so if it happened, I'm sure yeah. there's screenshots of it. Yeah, I'm going to go look it up and afterwards because that's, that's going to be funny if that happened. And they actually have cheerleaders there, too. Yeah, even though there's, there's no fans in this, and I yeah. thought that was weird. So, yeah. yeah. Go Korea, though. I'm taking some of those baseball games on the Twins <laughs> tonight. I'm, you know, I'm nervous about that. It's just, you know, out of country sports, it's hard for me to bet on. Well, that's yeah. pretty much it for MLB, man. Um, anything y'all want to cover that you think we missed here today? Um, I don't know if we missed anything in particular. Uh, I let me just circle back real quick. I, I just want to look at one thing in in USC. If there's there's something that I wanted to talk about. All right, well, Roland's looking at that. I just uh, want to promote our Twitter again at yeah. We Talking Sports One. Look out for that top five quarterback. Uh, posts we want your reactions we want to see what y'all think so be looking out for that this week we might have some cowboys fans from twitter with dak in the top five bro i know that hey we'll see you know and i want to see their explanation if 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 they have reasoning of why i mean well i mean everybody's got the reasons fantasy football wise dak was top five so that might be what 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 the good the, the main reason why I, I kept him uh, where I did and I didn't move him up into the top five is is because I thought that he fell he fell flat in big games you know the end of the season against the Eagles yeah. um, I think this year against we played New England this past year I didn't do too good there um, so that's the main reason why I had him lower on my list I still think he's a top ten quarterback though all things aside yeah he have is. Him up higher he is. But at the money that he's wanting to get paid, I mean, we kind of did the list because he's wanting top five money. They're wanting to pay him as the top paid quarterback. And the dude's saying no. You know what I mean? When there's clearly five guys ahead of him. I, I think the, the one thing that we didn't touch on, and we miss, I don't think this factor has been brought up in terms of his contract talk. I think another uh, factor that's there is the fact that he wants a shorter term deal. He's looking at maybe getting a three-year deal, kind of similar to what Kirk Cousins got. That way, he can set himself up for another big contract. Wow. He doesn't want to get tied into another five-year deal. He's trying to go shorter term, so he can reset again. A bigger, yeah, later on. Exactly. That, so I, I know the thing for the Texans when they were signing Tunsil. Usually, you want to sign those guys to five, six-year deals, offensive tackles. 
but our deal with him was only a three-year deal. But this season, he is playing on the, like, we exercised his rookie option. So it kind of, the three years don't go into effect until after this year. So it's kind of like a four-year deal in a way. Um, I don't know if that's available for Dak, but obviously he's still on his rookie contract. So that would be a thing too. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. We'll see, but they have till July 15th. Uh, That'll definitely be something to watch. And if he plays on the tag, a a lot of other things come into come into play uh, during the season. Yeah. 31 million is not bad though to be no, on the tag. Not. Yeah, it's not. But when they're offering you 36 and you're saying no, you know. Yeah. But that's it for episode 5, right? That's it for episode 5. Yeah, we talking cool. about sports, man. Nice, nice. All right. Just like I said, look for us on Twitter. You can get us on all the podcast formats that you follow. We're on every platform now. Um for everybody who's been YouTube commenting, Twitter commenting, we appreciate all that interaction. It motivates us. Yeah. It helps us. It gives us topics to talk about. And, man, we love interacting with y'all. So we do look forward to that. Like yeah. I said, that top five post will be coming out. I hope uh, we get some good interaction on that. I really do. So anything else y'all want to talk about real quick? Anything last, minute, last um, comments here? That's no, it. just, you know, thanks for the continued interaction. You know, I, I had a lot of fun. I, I thought the, the poll that we posted this past week about the top 10, I enjoyed reading y'all's comments in there and the different thoughts that you guys had about uh, why or why not Dak was the top 10. So like Justin said, uh, go ahead and share us, uh, share with us your top 10. We'll go ahead and make a, a post so you can go ahead and, and comment within that thread. And we'll go ahead and bring them back up uh, for episode six and hit on yeah. some of the top 10s that you guys we'll threw see. out. We'll see who's top five. We'll see if more people had Lamar in their top five, if more people had Brady in their top five. Yeah. Uh, we'll see where what 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 things everybody looks at. It'll be interesting to see. Hey, you had Lamar number two. Yeah, no, hey, that's, fine. Yeah. that's fine. <laughs> no, I'm I know. standing behind it. Like you had a number two. You had a that's number fine. Two. Just like he's going to be the number two fantasy quarterback drafted the exact same way. He's number two. All right, guys. Production. That's it production <laughs> that's it for us man thanks y'all i supposed to be the franchise player and we're in here talking about practice i mean it, listen we're talking about practice not a game not a game not a game we're talking about yes. not a Smoke game not a game me bam bam me man not a game